and gentlemen, welcome to a very special Chud podcast. Justin and Steve are hundreds of miles away, and I sit here near the ocean as it licks its own vagina on the eve of a tropical storm. I think it's Tropical Storm Nosferatu um, here in uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida. I'm joined by Mr. Andrew Hawkins, and we're going to try what is the equivalent of the retard episode of an 80s sitcom. So, Andrew, welcome back. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. I'm looking forward to this tropical migration of death. We'll see how it works out. I think it would be cool if like a hurricane, first of all, it's not going to be a hurricane, but it would be cool if a hurricane, if it were to hit, instead of depositing rain and lightning and all sorts of trouble, it dispensed like, you know, like forgotten actors, you know, like, uh, like, you know, used bin DVDs and uh, fucking gummy worms. Just something interesting. Anything to come out of the sky to make the night better, I think. Even if we wound up with shards of what-have-you parts more so. Let's do it. Let's see it happen. It'd be great if a hurricane hit the fucking coast and Dee Dee Khan walks out. She goes, I'm here. She's like, we haven't seen that bitch since Greece. And here she is, Dee Dee Khan, still in good shape. All the peripheral actors from Werewolf, anything that might be a full moon feature, let's just have it rain down upon us. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, hurricanes are fucking useless. And uh, fuck them. Yeah, they're stupid. They're they're homosexual. I think so. I think so. And and homosexual means bad. In in many many definitions, um, where things are good, football's great, Coors Light's great, homosexual bad. That's it. Yeah, I mean simple parameters. I mean, and fittingly, like less than a quarter mile up this strip, Mike Huckabee owns a house. All over the place. Speaking of hating gays. Everything that can be Speaking subculture. Speaking of wanting D.D. Khan to show up, Mike Huckabee, ladies and gentlemen. The bringer of death. So we're here. We're sitting here. It's late in the evening. Everyone else has gone to sleep. And here we are. Bunch of tired gentlemen. We'll have like a, what, what's, what's the equivalent of a retrospective, a futurespective, and a Phil, f- tr- what's the midget's name? A, a Philspective. Name? What's the mi- midget's name? Phil Funkadero? Yes. One of the greats. A fucking midget. A, an excellent jerry curled little man. He's a dwarven gentleman who was in uh, several films. Loves to quote King Lear. He's quite a, a gent. What's your favorite Phil performance? I have to say, his great warrior in Willow is easily one of the best. But when you get down to it, his work in Ghoulies Two rivals all littles. Yeah, he's he's an actor. I, I love the guy that I love the fact that we have. And I know midget is a, is a, is an insult to those people. They like to be called dwarves. Yes, they dwarves, also, midgels, midgets, anything yeah. along those lines that isn't exactly something that you can toss over a rail. That half-ass though, like he's he's an interesting sort, and uh, he, he has a great run. And he's he's like he's like one of the few, uh, one of the few half scales that's like a. Um, like a street tough. He's like a like an Italian guy. He's got the fucking facial hair. He's got the fucking attitude. He's got the Oshkosh leather jacket. He's everything you could possibly want. And he'll he'll bust him up. I mean, you get that guy in a room with a bunch of other littles, he'll uh, take control. You see him go up against anyone from provided Time the Bandits, controls, he's a winner. Provided the controls are at knee level. <laughs> So, Mr. Nick Nunziata, God I have a couple of topics here that I'd like to go over with you, a couple of questions I'd like to ask, I think all of the listeners would like to hear about as well, but let's start off with a few things about 
your history and your past, let's uh, go with one of the uh, biggest fish in the sea, chud.com. What is your opinion looking back on everything chud? It was great. It's great. It still is great. It has potential to still be great. Chud happened um, in like 95 or 96. I was working at a company called Intertech, and I started to do um, movie reviews on a mailing list, a company-wide email, which was not a good thing. But I would send a company-wide email out with reviews of every movie that came out, and I called it the Chud Report. And then a friend of mine was there, and he uh, had web programming experience, so I started to use him and learn a little bit about it. And then I launched chud.com, which at the time, I mean, a four domain, you know, four letter domain was nothing. And, uh, you know, we went ahead and put it up and then, you know, so I, while I was working, I did that and it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was an outlet for my, re- my retardation and it was good. And then, um, I think in 1999, my father died and I was doing contract work and I said, fuck it. So I quit all of my jobs and I was just, not sure what I wanted to do, but I was enjoying writing about movies. And with the Star Wars prequels coming up, um, there was a lot of traffic. And it was before the internet went to straight to Jimmy's, Jimmy's asshole. Um, so, yeah, it became a full-time thing. It wasn't really lucrative or anything like that. There was a couple of really good years. But, you know, over the course of, of, of time, we got some great contributors. We got some great readers. And those message boards, I think, opened up in 99, changed everything, you know. Now, who are some of the notables in the uh, contributors pool and the message board folks that you can think of off the top of your head that really helped you out I don't want to disrespect anybody who I forget, but Brian Kukal was my first real partner. Joram Menka, um, who he, run, he ran a Tolkien site, and then he came on and helped us. And then the, the estimable Dave Davis, uh, Devin Faraci, Smiling Jack Ruby, Mark Wheaton, um, uh, Alex Riviello, um, God, uh, Johnny Butane, uh, Ryan Rotten, who became Ryan Turek, who's still kicking ass. Um, lots and lots of people. Eileen, uh, Jeremy Butler, I mean, just Ren. I, I mean, like, there's just the list of people that have written for Chud, Jeremy Slater. I mean, they, they, these are people that a lot of them I'm no longer friendly with, but a lot of them, I mean, it seems like the cool thing about the site is that it's it's dynamic and its approach has somehow lent itself to people being free you know like none some other sites are built around their shtick or whatever it is um you know and and fake names and and not owning up to whatever your things are and your beliefs and your statements and all that and i think chud's always had kind of an approach that you're you're you you have an opinion they may not agree but at least you're standing behind your name and I think a lot of the people that have come off the site have had a very strong opinion, for better or worse, and they've parlayed that into success of one shape or another. So I think there's been a lot of great folks that have come out of the site. Um, you know, uh, Daniel Bellori, Low Shot. You know, there's it's just, it's a good group. It's 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 been great. And I think the other thing about Chud is the message boards. I mean, I consider some of the people on the boards, especially some of the long timers. Um, a family like Jacob Singer and and Bucho and you know Blofeld and and um, you know uh, fucking Vince Labellito Chenzo and uh, um, I mean God there's so many people there's been some and there's there's people that I don't even know I don't know much about but they've been so instrumental in in helping us in ways you know that 
it surprised me. Um, it's it's just a really special group. Some of them, there are some fucking assholes. Also, I forgot to mention those. There's some fucking horrible people that I hate. Well, there's people who come from. Lest you think this is a telethon or something, those guys need to fucking die in a fucking vat of hot fire. Oh, and sure, and you know, let them go fuck off. But you know, everybody comes from all kinds of different places all over the world, has different stories. But what do you think draws all of these people to Chud? What do you think brings everybody together into this family dynamic, whether they're on the boards or whether they're part of the contributing pool? What uh, is your opinion on that, where all these people originate? <laughs> I think the thing is, if once you see the name Chud, I think 80% of the people are going to not be interested. You know, So there's already like a built-in safeguard, and it was not intentional. It just worked out that way. I thought it was just fun because I love the movie and it was dumb and it was easy. But the thing I've noticed is it, it's kind of a, a litmus test before you even click. So the people that actually decide to come to Chud have already are already twisted in one way or another. So they've already got kind of that they're primed. And then so I think there's that. And I think also once you go to the site, it's black. It's always been black. It's always been kind of like weird. And, and there's always been that sewer motif or that kind of tentacle motif or there's always been some sort of an element to it that is just like slightly left of center and i think that's been attractive to the right people and then of course the fact that you know 90s percent of the stuff we write is written with not sarcasm but with um we're trying to steer people towards the truth you know like you know if it's a if it's a movie that um we should champion we try we try to get on board early and we try to we weed through the shit and if it's a movie that deserves to be hated we kind of try to single it out too, but I think above all things is we love to be proven wrong, and I think that's ele- evident in a lot of the stuff that Chud does. Is we love to be wrong about movies. It's okay to like Fast and the Furious if it's a good movie, and a lot of people have kind of make their minds up beforehand. And I think the people that read the site have started to realize that you know we we're gonna make fun of something with you. But by golly, if it proves us wrong, we'll be the first to admit it. And I think that the message boards and the community of the Chud kind of speak the same language. Yeah, Except for those people that suck every butt and should fall down 17 flights of escalators and be visited by Pinhead and the Chatterer. Well, I think that kind of comes with uh, just really shooting for that sort of niche audience. I think really you're going to get people from the positive and the negative side of things and, you know just that being that sort of family dynamic you're not always going to have the most functional and positive sort of environment you're just going to have that drama every so often but has that been a negative impact towards the site at all or is that just something no that i just think it, with a grain of salt? It, it, i mean we're never going to be yahoo I mean, it's it's you know the problem was is there was a period of time where i really thought <clears throat> that we were mainstream and we kind sure. of approached the business as if we were mainstream. We approached the site as if it were mainstream. But we really were too big for our britches. We weren't. We weren't. And we never will be. <clears throat> and, you know, it, there's a kind of a calm in knowing that it'll never be that. So whatever. And I think, I th- you know, the, there are people. The thing that, that I think is the most amazing thing is um, there are people that I still that are still on the site that have way outgrown Internet message board culture. You know, there's no reason. No, I mean, there's no reason you should, you know, you should be on a message board at age 40. I mean, really. I mean, there's unless it's like a dating site or it's like a, you know, whatever your hobby is or if you're like just trying to kill yourself or whatever. But, you know, the thing is, there's like there's something about it that, you know, and, and um, the community is kind of 
grown bigger than the site itself. So it's like there's a family element that is completely divorced from whatever the material of the site. So, you know, we've, you know, for whatever, whatever it's worth, we've created a, you know, a little place for people to be safe. Now, I remember you back in the day. Except for those fucking assholes who should fucking be visited by fucking vampire bats bitten about the penis head, especially the women, dragged off into the night <laughs> and, and humanoided from the deep forever. Just decapitated from both ends. Just just raped all day. <laughs> well, I know um, a while back you had mentioned that you had had a Chud convention where you brought all of these pretty much family members together. And that was one of those events where everyone just kind of came in for the uh, love of the site, but also to really connect with everyone that they talked to, everyone that they um, interacted with. This was before the Xbox Connect came out. But, yes, we did a few things. We did Chud West, which was... There was a rest in peace, Bill Bowen, a Scientologist reader of, of Chud, had a very fancy house in the Hollywood Hills, and he invited uh, a select group of us out there west to have a party in his uh, in his mansion. Um, and uh, if I remember correctly, Juliet Lewis, Giovanna Ribisi were involved. Nice. Maybe Kelly Preston, basically Scientologists. Yeah. Um, and and then a handful of others. I still have my Chud West hat, and and that was a really good gathering. And we wait to, ate at this restaurant called Vita or Vita. No longer in business. The best steak I've ever had. I could still taste it. Nineteen ninety nine. I could still taste the steak, which is great. Still so tastes you good. Think and, about uh, something like that happening now in present day. What do you think of the uh, possibility? If of I all held of one show? now, it would basically be me and like another guy. So pretty so, much this. This is it. This is Chud East. Uh, no, I. <laughs> no, I don't think. I, I don't think. First of all, people have lives, and they're too. You know, all the people that were big Chud supporters now have kids and mortgages and club feet and all that kind of shit so it's it's impossible but and i don't think the site's traffic's there but i i, I, I there are people i literally would i would love to meet bucho i would love to meet um uh blake corral i would love to meet um any of the hot girls that read the site like sexually which are plenty sexually are constantly penis in off penis in site. penis in mouth there are penis so in, many articles. Penis and vagina. Great wet on. Penis underneath. You know, all sorts of but uh, no, there's there's a lot of great folks. And then um we did another couple of chud things too. We did coffee meetings every Saturday at eleven twenty two in, in Atlanta. So we would have like a group of like five to fifteen people every week for a long time. And then we had um we had uh another what was I thinking? There was another event I was thinking oh the we, when Hellboy came out, yeah, uh, a handful of us rented a town and country truck. Caesar, Will, Justin, me, Steve, all of the probably another white person, much. and we drove um, all the way to Texas, and we met with Guillermo del Toro and Mike Mignola and Ron Perlman, and we hung out with them, and then um, somebody named um, whose whose name on the message boards at the time was Sean um, uh, Bateman. Uh, who is now Ben David Grabinski, who is a filmmaker, yeah. and uh, Greg uh, Clark, who is a filmmaker, who um, and God damn, so many other people. We had a nice group of people. We all convened into Austin, Texas, a great barbecue, hung out. Everybody saw Hellboy way before it came out, had a great time hanging out with the principals, 
and I think that was a spiritual experience spec. Like I think it was instrumental to see how how some of the, sometimes the good guys can win. You know, and Guillermo and Ron Perlman are like the examples of the good guys. Like they are like they are us. So I think that was like like, like neat to take that barrier away for some of those people. So. So if there's anything like that that you could think about doing in the next few years or beyond, is there something that you would just like to have as either a gathering or some sort of support for a great team out there that's making a film or doing something along those lines? Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I've got a lot of projects that have been working on forever. And if any one of those gets made, I think, the logical thing is to is to have Chud be involved and to have the the, the readership be involved. Oh, yeah. I wanted to do that with um, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, but it, it it wasn't logical and Grizzly Park wasn't worth doing it for. Um, Meg was the big unfired bullet in that whole thing. Like that was always a part of the game plan from day one was to make it a thing. Um, and 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 basically, my personal success uh, is tied to this. So like, if there's a re- like if anything ever happens, one of the main things I want to do is create we had talked about having a chud con which i don't the con- conventions are blown out now but i think yes i think there is some sort of a situation where we should do that the only, the only thing i don't want to do is i don't want to build it around a, a genre thing or like a movie or like a re-release or anything like that i think it should be about the people rather than a product so yeah. i'm just waiting for the real situation to come up and and honestly i think one of the important things that we need to do is remind people you know, or or get a gauge for the people that still feel that way, who are still excited and, and want to do that. You know, because I mean, even if it's ten people, if it's the right ten people, sure, it'll be amazing. If it's the wrong ten people, I want them to fall down and die forever. Just the deep abyss of in the mouth of madness. Just Let them fucking awful, an awful dark. end to their lives. So, if there was, let's say, the planets align, Reanimator Four. <laughs> <laughs> winds up actually happening what perfect event would you center around that family coming together everybody who involved or peripheral what have you just getting together as a group and celebrating that family dynamic that this product not the focus on the film itself or anything like that but just the togetherness and everything that came to be in that way what would it be what would that event be i don't i think i don't think it would be any particular event i think it would be just a matter of finding a location that's secluded that all these people to convene in to where they could spend uh three days together you know whether it be some mountain lodge or some beach house or some um uh, you know penthouse suite you know just some some location, some isolated location. Imagine like imagine if uh, we got like, you know, fifteen people on a cruise together. You know, oh, yeah. the, the you know, and then basically each person's um, suite uh, was the you know each night we watched a different movie or whatever. You know, like that's the thing. I, I don't think it should be about like the release of movie X or like you know because you're you're just doomed to fail. Sure. Because goddamn, what if it's a prequel or what if it's the thing remake or you know what if it's just something that's not good. Or, or even if it's something like a Scott Pilgrim or, 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 or like Pacific Rim, something we know is great, but it's, it's so, you know, it's, it's, it's not a sure thing. You know, I'd rather it be something that's about the people and about the location. Because, I mean, to c- a controlled environment uh, just bears so much fruit. I'd just rather it be that. So what do you think about genre films themselves? Um, when you look back, what are your fondest memories of 
sci-fi horror that special kind of action film comedy and what have you what what do you reflect on the most when you look back at good genre film uh with fondness whether it's you know something that you like genuinely for it being great what have you or whether it's just one of those things like dead heat that's just so <laughs> fucking ridiculous the, it's fantastic the problem i've had now is is even though my site's built around it and and i spent so many years loving movies that are less than good i don't really i i don't spend the time on them anymore like if there's a movie that's that's like substandard that's fun i'll enjoy it but it's not something i'm going to spend a, a ton of time with like something like splinter comes out and i really dig it and i love elements of it and i'll watch it and i'll recommend it but i'll move on like as far as rewatchability you know there are very few films that demand that anymore and it's weird like it's it's completely a temperature thing like you know for some reason recently you know i watched prince of darkness three times and that's not a very good movie but that's the exception typically i'm watching like no country for old men or the departed or you know just something that just is easy to put on and go to a happy place i don't get i don't get the happy place thing anymore from fright night 2 Right. Where I used to, so it's just kind of like those things served a purpose and they help build who I am. But I don't really uh, it, to go back only cheapens the experience. So I'm at a point where it, it's not worth it because I don't, I'd rather preserve that that beautifulness of those cock and balls movies that I loved growing up. <laughs> well, having those dog shit films that are just great in retrospect be your foundation. What do you think about the current state of horror and? the uh genre picture today all of the nonsense that's coming out with the regurgitation of bullshit that yeah comes i mean from there's all of that. like you know the funny thing is is like james wan is kind of the institution right now but sure. the conjuring's a very good movie you know it's a he did a he did a really good job but that's like like the business of making horror movies and the checks and balances overrides everything like you you're not going to see people make society not that that was a theatrical big deal but you know human centipede exists you know and it has a home not that that was a good movie or anything but you know so i think horror the genre is is very much built around finding those buttons to push in executives right now you know so whether it be you know conjuring or or last exorcism or whatever it is whatever the niche is you know it's fine but you we have people like adam green and joe lynch and guys like that that are fighting the fight, you know, there there's there's plenty of good filmmakers out there doing it. Aja, you know, there's like guys. So it's to me, it's like instead of following the genre or following, you know, like when I was growing up, it was whatever Fangoria recommended or it's, yeah. what, it's whatever Savini was working on or whatever KMB was working on. And to me now it's like, well, OK, I'm going to follow director X or, or filmmaker X and. You know, and then that'll spiral off into wherever. But you, it's not about genre anymore. It's 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 about filmmaker. So you're following filmmakers, and I think that's actually a better approach anyway. Well, when a film's getting made, and you've got the production getting ready to actually get greenlit, and yeah. you've got the company behind it just looking at all the factors, do you think that, for example, Warner Brothers or sony or anyone is going to throw money at a name or at the 
analysis of how much the film is going to cost to make. I mean, do you think that Scorsese is going to get the green light for anything he wants to do regardless of the budget? Same with, like, Oliver Stone? Or do you think it's all about the accounting at this point? Yeah, I don't think there's a filmmaker in the world anymore who just gets a green light automatically. I don't care who you are. Sure. But I think the cool thing is is that even though, like, the generic stance is that the bean counters don't know anything about movies. They all have business degrees rather than film degrees. You know, there's that, there is that element, but they're a lot more savvy than they used to be. And, and if you think about like some of the best directors aren't very bankable, if you look at their work, but they've, they're proven to be on budget and on time. And that's enough for a lot of people like in, in, in important decision-making jobs. So then they just package, you know? So if you have a director who is artistic and really brilliant paired with like Brad Pitt, then there's a lot, you know, there's a reason to do it. Yeah. Or uh, adversely, if you have like a Bradley Cooper before he broke coupled with somebody who's proven they could, you know, open a picture, then it's fine. I mean, they're a lot smarter than we give them credit for. And there's a lot more factors that go into it. Um, and even though Hollywood math never really seems to work out, I think that um, the system that's in place isn't really broken. I think it's working. Otherwise, you wouldn't see. This is the guys that we're seeing directing. Like, if you look at who's directed the Bond movies, if you look at who's directed the Marvel movies, oh yeah, it's it's miraculous, you know. But of course, adversely, I'm hearing from people like I, I, when I speak to Guillermo del Toro, the fact that he has so much trouble getting stuff done blows my mind because yeah. y- you would think that if you were in a position of power, it's like this guy has a finite amount of films in him, help him, you know. And it's it's you know so there's a checks and balances, but the bottom line is it's impossible. If it was if it was easy or logical, um, you know it would just it, there wouldn't be that kind of reward to the whole thing anyway. So well, you look at guys like Guillermo and Edgar Wright, and you see how creative they are when they're actually able to make a film. I mean, from start to finish, ninety. They're of shitty the time. filmmakers, by the way. And they're they're both homosexuals. Which is a negative thing, and awful, all their films are negative and should awful. be burned, all the way down to the print. Every copy, right down even to the, the digital, right copies. down to the man ass. Burn them all. Okay. Whenever we see them actually be able to create and release a genuinely unique film, do you think that's just one of those one in a million shots where they're just lucky enough to be able to actually have it happen, or do you think that's something that might still be thrown out there every so often do you think the future of actually creative and inventive cinema is in trouble or is it going to be able to continue no i mean look we got gravity opening this week into major numbers brilliant and that is a that's ridiculous like that that movie should not be what it is it's it's a it's a it's a quirky threadbare movie that has found a home i just think it's great because because of how 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 much turnover there is in film and how uh, the money has to get spent eventually, there's just a way to convince somebody that Scott Pilgrim is a good idea to invest in. And I don't think, in his heart of hearts, Edgar thought it was going to be like a blockbuster. He just knew it had to happen, and he made it happen, and, and he took it on the chin. That's, that you know, we need guys like that, because it's just, uh, there are a few people in every generation that have the ability to to do those, like, just ridiculously new and crazy things that polarize people that are maybe not successful out of the gate, but reap major rewards in the long run. I just think there's, there's, you know, they balance out the Michael Bay's, they balance out the Len Wiseman's and all of that. 
and and as a viewer, I mean, our admission price is what eight dollars, ten dollars for this whole thing. And then you look at IMAX, and it's, it's crazy. Up to Thirteen, I know, but even that for like that's our buy-in. Yeah, for all of this shit, it's it's re- it's it's like one of the best deals in the history of Earth. You know that we could, you know, with no risk, just fucking experience the barometer of Fast Six gravity. And then whatever Warner Werner Herzog's put out, you know, it's like it's 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 great, it's amazing. If I jumped off this deck right now and died, this would be the best podcast of all time. Definitely, I'm and we'd of, have to record. I am You'd thinking, have to hold on. I'm the thinking about it all the way. Down. I am thinking about it. And to answer your question, there is no difference between Terry Gilliam and Terry Crews. Well, I don't see it. I see them being one and the same, regardless of whichever film they're either in or directing. Have you ever seen just... Terry Gilliam make his tits bounce up and down? It's amazing. I've seen Terry Gilliam do many things, and once you get past the third or fourth hundred viewing of Baron Munchausen, you're just game for all ends. Yep. So, we've talked about a couple of great directors that have really had a long-standing history and are still producing good work. I think we're both looking forward to Wolf of Wall Street when it comes to Scorsese. But what do you think about some of the directors that, you know, and you even mentioned it a little earlier when you were talking about Prince of Darkness, that in the past have just made films that have connected with so many audiences. Um, Like, let's say, what do you think about... The state of George Romero, John Carpenter, uh, Roger Corman, guys like that today, and what they're doing and what they're making, and well, how they have to deal with all of the issues that go into making a film right now. All of the above are dinosaurs. Yeah. There is no place right now for those guys. I mean, we saw, even like even though they're making, they're still capable. I mean, Joe Dante did The Hole, which is fine. Yeah. Those guys are all capable. But, you know, they're stu- they're a product of a different era. You know, unless you pair them with a DP and an editor that are just shit hot, and then it just it stops being their work. So, I mean, Carpenter is a legend, and he had a period that is unparalleled in terms of being, you know, he's the master of tone. Like, it's all tone. There's, like, not a lot of f- pizzazz to his filmmaking, but as far as creating a tone, there was very few people that have had his skill Romero, you know, the funny thing about Romero is he's only made a few really great movies, and he's made a lot of decent movies. I but think Knight Riders definitely oh, falls into the yeah. great category. Bruiser. Fucking Bruiser. No, but... Martin. Yeah. And these guys, they have that history. They still have, you know, even like you mentioned, Fangoria, the niche readers, that hardcore horror audience who's always looking for the next Tom Savini work that are just following them pretty much till the end. Yeah. These dinosaurs that are out there that are still working, do you think there's really anything left in them? Because you look at a few of the directors of the past who wound up just sort of opening their wheelhouse into working into these great epic films and then just leaving the world. Like, say, for example, you have The End of Kubrick, do you think these guys are going to have their last hurrah? Do you think they're going to have their Akira Kurosawa moment and just no leave the world? And, and honestly, I there are s- certain guys I think are definitely capable of it. I don't think Carpenter wants. I don't think he's got the drive to do that again. But 
and Ramiro too. I mean, like those guys have you know if and, and honestly, after watching like Diary of the Dead and Di- Diary of the Dead Two, it's survival, uh, survival of, of the, the Dead. dead. Yeah. I don't care. It's like you've had opportunities. You're obviously you know you you've been passed. You know the torch has been passed. I mean, I like Land of the Dead a lot, but that's it. I mean, like it. And 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 let's not. I mean, let's not pretend that these guys are what Kubrick was. I mean, Kubrick was a once in a lifetime talent. True. And these guys were 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 able to be vital parts of a of a genre that was always cheap. Even when Hitchcock was doing horror, it was cheap. Yeah. So like, it's great. And and I they it, my life is changed forever by their stuff. But you can't compare. It's like it's like. Scorsese, you you can't say, you know, um, nothing against Joe Carnahan, but like you know, he did a couple of crime flicks, but he isn't Scorsese, and sure. you know, it would be like it would be it would be tragic if we didn't get some coda to Scorsese's career, or Spielberg, or you know, I think we're getting it right now. I think it's all in the works. I, I yeah, and, and honestly, I think it's near because. Uh, there's only a few guys who I think are able to. I don't. I, I can't see some of these guys just phoning it in, you know. I mean, e- Eastward still is making relevant stuff at an at an advanced age, uh, but these guys, the amount of years it takes to make a movie, it's crazy. Ridley Scott is different because he 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 doesn't. He's able to just fire and fire and fire, and he's not a writer, so he's able to just you know throw a few projects into the mix and when one's ready to shoot he shoots it and moves on to the next one but you can't do that with Scorsese you can't do it with Spielberg you can't do it you know there's a lot of those guys that don't have that but who just get so involved Albert Pion I mean there's so many guys that just can't do it yeah what do you think uh, that really boils down to is it something that you consider to be a huge factor whether or not a director is hungry if he needs that film to be great if they just have that drive is that one of the um, biggest factors in whether or not it's going to be a film worth watching do you think that you know they got to want it as opposed to just coasting and letting it happen no I, I think it I think honestly I I don't mind watching if 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 Scorsese wanted to do a long cam of spider I'd love to see that movie sure you know because and and, and I, as far as being hungry I don't think that's the case because there's, if they wanted to, they could direct episodes of Sons of Anarchy or you know whatever. Like they could find houses for their work, and it, it's a you know if you're able to do that, if you're able to adapt, I think that's great. I mean Frank Darabont, like one of the cool things that he had said was when he had shot episodes of The Shield, it completely helped redefine his approach to making film. You know when he did the 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 Mist, it was very heavily influenced by his work in TV. So these guys, they they there's no such thing as slumming. I mean, that's in the eye of the viewer anyway. There's no such thing. I mean, like, those guys have a job to do. They're getting paid. They're getting experience. They're working with people. You know, they're in the trenches, whatever. It's not slumming, you know. So that, I think that's kind of cool because we, we tend to put them on a pedestal. And in reality, unless they, you know, there are a few guys who are divas in that respect. But I think it's work. You know, those guys are working. And I and I just love the idea of seeing that and 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 the cool thing is is like tv now has become that place like watching ryan johnson do what he's doing on tv watching john Dahl, who i love work in tv so i think it's just a matter of you know unless you're a rarefied piece of work like spielberg or coen brothers or you know most guys are, are just happy to work 
and and uh, and and the ones that are energized by it and don't look down on any gig, it's kind of interesting to see what they're doing, you know, because uh, more often than not, the fun happens in the smaller margins anyway, because there's not as many people watching or paying attention or keeping you in balance. So, can you imagine if Scorsese like just on a whim did an episode of fucking Terriers or something? It'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean, Boardwalk Empire is a bad example because that was the first episode of a show that had a lot of hype. Yeah. You know, if he directed an episode now and nobody knew about it, I bet you'd have a lot of fun. I'd like yeah. to see it. Now, talking about television now, we just had one of the, and you've definitely been vocal about this. Oh, God. Real Housewives of... Oh, you're talking Real about... Real Housewives of Cthulhu. It's, <laughs> Real it's Housewives of Albuquerque. <laughs> so, Breaking Bad is done. Breaking Bad is over. Do you think that is the pinnacle of television or do you think there's any future beyond this i i, I mean could possibly I, raise the bar or be even better in some way. i i guarantee there will be better shows that are better directed better written better acted but for me at this moment in time for me as a person it was perfect you know that's the thing it's like it's very hard to that exp- like i was offended when people weren't watching it on a sunday night like, I was offended. I was like, what the fuck? You're feeding your kids? You're watching football? You're getting laid? Fucking Breaking Bad's on right now. Or if, like, if they have iTunes. You have iTunes and you're not using it to watch Breaking Bad? You're a fucking cunt. You need to die. You know, and that's the thing. It's because that's, it was the right show at the right time in the right circumstances for me. You know, so it was perfect. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and while I don't think it's fair to say, to compare, like, how somebody experiences a, like fucking supernatural, uh, you know, if they get, if they get the same feeling that I get from watching Breaking Bad, yeah, I I still think that their experience is less than mine, but it just seemed like it was the right thing. But I I do feel that TV is on a just completely different track now, and Breaking Bad was a was a stepping stone and proof positive that this is where it's at. So you know, when we have stuff, there's so many good shows out there. In every genre, except for horror, I think it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's all good. It's just like saying, you know, like you, you, watch, uh, you watch Goodfellas in 1989 or 90 or whatever. Yep. There will never be a better film because that was the perfect film at the right time for me. But you look at some of the movies that have come out since. It's just it's hard to match that emotional experience. And it's just all about how it hits the spot at the right time. And do you think watching Breaking Bad well did you watch it as one episode and then a week later watch the next episode and then the week after that or did you ever do any of the what's become a trend now with binge watching just going through the whole season front to back over a weekend did you ever do that initially or was that all rewatch or I watched the entire first season as a binge okay I had watched the pilot I think either Right when it came out, or shortly after, I thought it was cool, and it was caught up in God knows what, probably AIDS. And then I, you know, I went back and revisited it, and the love was there. And then season two, I think, was the first season where I think I bought an iTunes um, yeah, that subscription. ITunes pass. And then so at midnight, I had like five or you know four or five shows at that point that were coming out like. I think The Sopranos may have still been on. But anyway, there was like a bunch of shows like Sunday night was the night. Sure. And then but by season three, it was done. Sunday night ceased to be anything but experienced TV night. 
Yeah. And then I had the I had the luck of of being friends with the guy that runs the show, like the producer, like well not Vince Gilligan but Mark Johnson who was the producer. So I had a, the ability to go to the set and meet the guys and all that, and it completely just changed everything in terms of like seeing uh, that shit at ground level and 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 uh, you know, and then of course the material speaks for itself. There's not. There's, I could watch any episode of Breaking Bad and instantly forget how shitty my life is. So when you were able to actually go and be on set and spend time there and talk to all the principals, was that something that you did just for the Chud audience, for everybody who follows your work and everything that gets published? Was that more your goal did you want to you know experience that and just kind of share that with everyone no it was selfish um i had an opportunity like i've been working a lot on tv shows trying to get tv shows made and i was working on a possible tv show um and there was a it was convenient it was it was an opportunity to learn a little bit about what i was trying to do see what it was like at the ground level and also turn it into coverage like the coverage justified the trip because and great coverage came out of that visit, but super, yeah, you look you back know, at those articles. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it there's was a lot of it was a lot of good stuff. Sure, and the and the puppet show was magic, but no, that was work, uh, and it was work on two levels. I was I was I was coming off. I had literally come back from producing a film, and and uh, and then instantly jumped back into the world of covering films and trying to create. So it was like a weird thing. But the bottom line is 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 Seeing what those guys were able to do under the auspices of a corporate production was definitely exhilarating and liberating and um, proof that, you know, I mean, that show had no right existing, you know, and it was, no. it was just great. It was just great to see. Not at all. That's And those guys were having fun every day. You know, there was no, I mean, it was work, but those guys were, they were seasoned at every moment, you could tell. And it absolutely translates to the episodes. You can see that clearly, how everything's fitting perfectly into place, and it's even beyond that sort of lightning in a bottle thing that can be described. Um, really, it's you know one of those uh, unique things that could be replicated, but I'm sure yeah, there's I mean, no it's, way. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot like the caveman sitcom. So if you were to develop a television show that would be out there to everyone let's say whether it's streaming or whether it's on one of the majors what have you do you want your audience to watch it once a week just following along or binge watching which is i guess one of the bigger trends that's really happening right now how do you want to deliver your product to the people whose eyes are just going so to So honestly, drink it up. I don't care if they watch it in binges. I don't care if they watch it every week or if they watch it 30 years after I'm dead. I want the ability to make it. You know, to me it's like the the thing is 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 you know, everybody's concerned with numbers and I think that that whole number keeping is starting to evolve to where it needs to be. People didn't give a lot of respect to um, DVRs or to iTunes or to Amazon or to Netflix or whatever else. Now they're starting to collect those data that data as like a whole. And they're starting to see just how many eyes they're seeing. But the bottom line to me is, is um, I think it, you know, I, I have faith, I have faith in what, in the material, you yeah. know, and, and I think that it will find a home. It may not find a home immediately, but to me, that's the fun of it. It's like, you know, seeing how people react to it. I'm recently, 
I've recently fallen in love with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, much against my will. Uh, John McCarowitz forced it on me, and I did not want to watch it. I did not want to like it. I hated the commercials. It seemed dumb, and now I get it. And 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 it's affirming because a lot of the the, the humor related stuff that I want to do isn't too distant from that in terms of tone. It's like, all right, well, if that you know, I'm not that, I'm not as good as they are, but if you know, there's a home for that kind of stuff. It's exciting. So. Yeah, I just want to do it. I just want to do it and see how people react, you know. And if it, you know, and, and in a lot of respects, hate is as loud, or if not louder, than than love. And it's you know, as long as people are watching. But I don't care. I don't care if it's binge watch. I don't care if it's piecemeal or how they watch it, or if if it's if if it's suddenly discovered way posthumously. If you you know, sure. Because like, I'm pretty much Shakespeare. Oh, clearly. Yeah. And that just you know permeates and everything whether it's the written word or Ernest Shakespeare he's a janitor that lived in Harlem for about 16 years and I think uh one of my favorite works of his is uh Ernest Shakespeare scared stupid um versus King Lear yeah it's it's great work um when it comes down to the impact of your material on the audience if it's something that you know really should be mulled over do you want it to be just kind of thrown immediately at them before they move on to the next episode or do you want people to actually have to think about it and let it just sort of you know work itself out in their head while they try to analyze what the hell they've just seen for a week do you want them to really get that time to stick with the media or do you want them to just move on to the next thing and eventually come to an opinion after it's all said and done there's nothing i could write or create that would have a, a deep resonance with people. That's not what I'm capable of. So no, I think I think if anything, it'd be if they revisit it, it'd be for like to find new little silly elements or whatever. But no, I think my stuff is pretty much on the surface. You know, and you know, I I watch um. You know, you watch like a like a Christopher Guest thing, and there's layers and layers and layers of shit, and, and it's. You know, it, it's none of it to me. Christopher Guest stuff, like, is an example of something that's not laugh out loud funny in any way. It's just clever, funny in in a really interesting way, and 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 digs to the the deepest deepest parts of a character. I'm not capable of that kind of stuff, nor am I capable of the kind of, um, you know, like you watch uh, like a Memento or or a movie that's, you know, like a like a like a like a very something that could be very much a pot boiler kind of story that's yeah. done with nuance. I don't really have that. So to me, it's like finding that just, you know, that, that, that high that comes with it. like, I like a Miami blues or, you know, just something that kind of just hits you in a, in a, in a spot, you know? And, and I, and I think honestly, every single person with ideas has an audience, a big enough audience in the world um, to justify them doing whatever it is, even if it's gummo, which I fucking hate, and I hate him, and I hate, and I, and I hope he fucking eats something. So Spring Breakers isn't going to make actually, your top I, five. Actually, I this, bought Spring Breakers on iTunes, sight unseen, because I like, you know, I like, I like trailers. I like, I like James Franco. I like t- young girls Tits. that are just borderline of age in scantily clothed. Is, is that a term? In scantily clothed. In the scants. Um, yeah, in 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 their in their almost ass. Um, and I didn't like it, but I but it was a step. It was a step towards him not being gummo. But yeah. he's you know. But the thing is, uh, gummo has an audience. Like if if you release gummo, 
it's going to find a home. And I, I consider Gummo not good. I don't consider it great filmmaking. I don't consider it, I, you know, everything about that movie is, is not for me. But I think, like, if you take Joe Public, anybody, they 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 can make enough, they can build enough of an audience, you know. So why why not me? I want to do my, you know, I want to do my special movies with AIDS. We are backy. So you've had a lot of projects that have failed and been successful to moderate degrees. You've actually had people see things. So when you look back at some of the projects that have been made, you know, what do you look back at fondly? What do you uh, think about, you know, the output that you've had to date? Are you talking about the films? Yeah, the films, the uh, shows, the work, but let's start with the films. What do you think about, let's say, uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark? Um, there's plenty to talk about that one. What do, you, what do you look at on the positive side of things? I, I love Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Um, Likewise. And, and uh, honestly, it shouldn't have been as good as it was. There was a lot of trouble behind the scenes of that movie. There was a lot of things conspiring against it from the get-go. We're talking about a studio that was going away. Like Miramax was under heavy transition. Film District came in and helped distribute it. We're, we're talking about executives leaving. We're talking about um, there was a lot of trouble. It was, uh, you know, it's, it's a movie out of time. Like, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark is too retro and too small for a lot of audiences. It's a little too... I mean, Guillermo's sensibilities are very specific. And when he when he does this softer children's... You know, he's not making a hardcore horror film. People are so cynical. You know, if that movie... If that exact movie was released, you know, 20 years ago, it would be transcendent, I think. I think people would be talking about it a lot in the same reverence that we talk about a lot of movies. But because it didn't, it came out in 2009 or whatever. 2009. 2000 and I think it came out in 2010. I don't remember. Anyway, yeah. um, it was it was out of time. But I am so happy happy with how it came out. I love the monsters. I love the tone. I love I love the performances. Everything about it worked out. And and there was a lot of things that changed over the course of the production. I mean, like it was going to be this. It was going to be that. The creatures were going to look like this. There was going to be an element of of practical effects. It was going to be a different actress altogether playing the Katie Holmes part. There was a lot of stuff that changed. And I think it still worked out. So I'm a hundred percent happy with it. I wish I could have been a little bit more involved in some of the some of the stuff in terms of how you know, it was gonna be a much different film, you know, originally. There were there was a crew of producers originally that, that I'm the only one other than Guillermo who who made it to the next wave. Um, but I can't be you know, I'm I'm very happy to have that movie to even tangentially have my name on that. Well, what about one of the ones that completely shit the bed? Something that just got so out of hand and completely uh, wound up being a mess that never uh, came to fruition or never got made. Um, what what stories do you have about something that you were completely invested in and just totally fucked up? Are you talking about The Last Temptation of Christ? Well, that's one. And if you're <laughs> interested in going into there, I mean, but... Everybody has their failures. Everybody has something that they learn from. Yeah. And what's one of the ones that, you know, it might have burned you uh, to the point where you just approached 
everything past that. Are we point. talking about the Tim Oliphant in the room? Are we talking about? <laughs> are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? What Meg? do you? Uh, what do you look back? Is this Meg? On? If it is Meg, what what do you uh, what do you think about Meg? God, I've got so many failures. Um, Meg, um, Meg got fucking hate fucked by a skinhead. Um, How how'd that happen? Meg, actually, you know what the funny thing is is like if Meg if we if the Meg situation were to happen today, we would get made. It would be a huge hit. It'd be great because people are ready for that. But people probably weren't ready for a giant prehistoric shark shortly after the towers fell down. After planes raped the towers. I don't think people were in a real happy-go-lucky, like, let's watch a giant shark kick everybody's ass in, like, a totally non-cynical way kind of mood. But to me, Meg was, uh, uh, you know, it's funny, like, once going back to playing the Guillermo card again, he still brings that up in conversations like... Uh, the one that got away, yeah, and the one that got really went off the rails because it was such a pure concept. Yeah, it's such a, like the ability to do that. It, it got that's a movie that studio politics rewrites, um, mismatched talent, um, bad decisions by certain people. There's a lot of things that conspired against the movie, and. You know, honestly, if it had gotten made, I might have, I mean, I, I may have made some money, but I don't think I would be a better person. I don't think I would be in a better place career-wise. So it's it's one of those things where a lot of lessons, a lot of a lot of trials, a lot of uh, honesty and, and discovery. But it, yeah, it, it was the wrong time. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is a lot of people made money off of that movie still, even though it didn't get made. And it showed me that, Sometimes the best movies for some people, the ones that don't get made, you know, there are people that are, that made millions of dollars off of it and, and benefited from it not getting made. So it's just, it's just a weird thing, but, um, people that are smarter than me that with a lot more experience have told me that it's, it's, uh, you have to have a few of those in your belt to really, to make the highs feel that high. And, uh, so I, that's one that, that's one that definitely hurts. Uh, we almost got a reanimator movie made. Uh, that hurts. Um, we had some interest in getting Eleven Colonels made, which is my kind of baby. That hurts. I, I've recently gotten bad news about one of my TV shows. That hurts. Um, but if you go on IMDb, I have Grizzly Park. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's just shit. You know, it's just and honestly, part of it is too is that I live in Georgia. You know, so if if you're out in Los Angeles and you're and you're doing the meetings and you're and you're doing the work and you're getting in front of the right people, I think it makes your job a lot easier. Sure. Uh, I've had to dig really hard to find the really good, trustworthy, reliable, compa- you know, compatible collaborators, and I found a few that are just amazing folks. But it's still very hard to get stuff done. So, Meg to me is kind of just a, a just just another milestone. I don't treat it as a bad thing. It got it got me a lot of attention. Got me a lot of negative. Uh, stuff and I think that's good because um, I used to I used to love it. I mean, it was it's it's weird because the internet you know it makes it gives you you know, it gives people such access to you and it gives you it gives you such immediate like uh, responses to shit. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. 
you've got a lot in the works right now. You've got plenty of things that are getting ready to be in production. And when you look back, what do you reflect on when you approach some of the hurdles that you have to deal with now? Is it any of those experiences that just kind of kicked you in the dick and you know left a bad taste in your mouth that kind of make you go in a certain direction when dealing with whomever or getting something to actually get made what do you what do you think about when you're working on what you have right now uh the the two words together that have rung true that have told to me a long time ago are guarded optimism you know it's you know we i've had in the past 10 months or less than like the past year in the past year, I've had three projects that had a, a studio or network involved that, you know, the older me would have been just dancing in the streets and making plans and telling everybody and being excited about. And now it's just like, it doesn't mean shit. You know, it didn't even make it to the trades, you know? So, and, and, and until you're actually on set shooting it, it's fucking irrelevant. So I don't have, I mean, like the difference between me and the guy reading my site who's written a bunch of screenplays that wants to be a filmmaker is nothing because there's no difference. Like I, I may have had, you know, like I've I've had projects that are close, but there, there's nothing really happening and it's just people talking, you know? So actually nothing's changed. You know, I, I still need to work at a cigar bar to help pay the bills. I still need to, you know, um, you know, I'm still, I'm still, uh, I still need to focus on what better people are doing. I got to worry about, you know, like to me, I've got milestones like, okay, I have to survive till last Sunday so I could see Breaking Bad. Now I've got to survive until, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street comes out. I got to survive till American Hustle comes out. I got to survive till the counselor comes out. I got to, I got to find the time to, to be creative, you know, but it's, there's no difference. It's unless you've made it, it's irrelevant. And, and I think, um, you know, it's it's a business where they really don't want anybody in. So if you if you're on the outside or even like on the bubble, there's no point to change your mind. When when Meg when we got the deal, I I saw. I mean, we had a we had paperwork, and I saw the numbers, and I saw what I would be getting paid, and I saw what this was, and the percentages, and all that. I started to really start to make plans. I started to think, okay, here's what I here's the person I'm going to become. Here's what I'm going to be able to do. Here's what I'm going to be able to do for my family. Here's what I'm going to be able to do for my readers like i had big plans for chud i had big plans to finance it it's bullshit so you know that was stupid but it was it was necessary so right now i'm just uh the next scotch the next baseball game the next cigar the next time hanging out with my friends that's all i've got you know so and i think it's helped although the one thing that i can help that i haven't been able to is to find the ability to turn off all the noise and write because i really do think that any of us if we are if we could finish something, um, something good, um, it'll change everything. And I haven't done that. Pri- I haven't done that yet. So that's in my control, and I'm not. You know, that's what I'm focused on. So, other than 9/11, what's the biggest hurdle that you have to overcome to actually get all of that peripheral noise out of your environment, so you can write and you can make something that you want to make? I need my penis shrunken. Cause it's so fucking huge. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I, I I think I, me personally, my problem is is like I'll sit it at my computer with the best intentions, 
and then it'll be impossible for me not to play my Caesar's Palace slots games or my fucking, you know, I, I got to beat the next Plants vs. Zombies level. No, it's true. That stuff is killing me. But um, honestly, I think it's a matter of, I, I think you, and I actually I've gotten great advice from Brian Koppelman, who's uh, the guy that wrote Rounders, with, and he wrote Knockaround Guys, and he wrote um, Ocean's 13. He gave me some very good tools, and I have, I'm have i going to start employing those. I have a book I'm reading right now to plan for this. And I think it's about a matter of discipline because I think we are all so fucked up now as people with the chemicals and with the, the, just how much information it's, the world is, is, is in a place right now built to keep us from being creative and productive. There's just too many distractions. Things are too easy and I'm enjoying a lot of that stuff. So that my personal problem is just being able to weed out all that nonsense and that huge cock that keeps getting in my way. Once you're able to subdue that huge cock and get that out of the uh, picture, uh, what do you do to get in the zone, and how do you separate yourself from all of that distraction that just takes all of our attention away from everything we do day to day? What do you do to separate yourself from the world so you can sort of dig into your own mind or do whatever you need to do to get in the zone? I've realized that lately... It's a matter of the equipment. Um, when I have my laptop, I have way too many things at my disposal. But if I have my iPad and I put it in airport mode and I just open up the word processor or final draft and don't give myself to the tools and I mute my phone, that's my happy place. Preferably if I'm sitting someplace where people can't use me. You know, if I go to my cigar bar where I usually go, I can't get work done. But if I'm outside someplace where there's, like, white noise or whatever, it's amazing how, you know, that's my thing, my discipline. Just getting into an environment where you're not yeah. going to have that outside influence, like, say, a meat locker or some underground bunker or something. Those like are that. all great places. And honestly, I, there's a part of it, too. Like, I'm a, like b- during baseball season, it's very hard because everything, every day to me is just killing time before the game starts. And that's about to be over, so that'll be easier. But to me, yeah, it's it's whatever for every person. And and the thing is too is like, uh, you know, with 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 the kids and with the work and and the stress of just the site and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 hard to wade through all that, you know. So, um, well, what do you got on the works right now? That you know, all guarded optimism aside. Um, is exciting uh, for you and for you know everyone who's either on the side or just part of the family. What what are you looking forward to that's happening right now? For the site's sake, or for well, let's say you know whether it's the site or whether it's a film or a show. Um, what is in the works and on the way that you're really invested in and you just want to let people know about well it goes back to creators like i know that ridley scott's doing the counselor that's a must read a must see with cormac mccarthy so i've got that like i've got like uh american hustle i've got wolf of wall street i I know that there's you know like there's always something that edgar and guillermo and those guys are all doing like there's always that there's these these perennials that you know are out there so it's like okay when all else fails i know person x is making this movie or person x is the showrunner for this show or or actor X is doing this. There's always that, and there's the bands that still somehow survive. You know, there's all those things that are that are that are in perpetuity. You know, until the until they get Tom Clancy, and then it becomes somebody else. But 
um, to me, the site the site is in stasis right now. It's in, it's in ICU. Something needs to happen in my professional career or in some external way for this site. That's the only way the site's going to grow right now. I need to either win the lottery, get a, get something made, or have like uh, fucking somebody deliver a little Moses package. But I think the 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 people that are there are there. They've already been through the highs and lows, so that's fine. That that'll happen when it happens. But to me, it's you know I, I I'm very much in the belief that I have to do something. I have to accomplish something for my sake and for the site's sake and for you know just you know it's it's obvious that nobody else is going to do it. You know there was a period of time where it seemed like. The, the stars were aligned that, that things were going to happen creatively and it just didn't happen. So it's, you know, it just makes me want to fight harder on that. But, um, you know, now I have kind of, a, I have an end game in mind and, and, uh, you know, we'll see. I've, I, I'm trying to learn. I've made a lot of mistakes and there's a lot of lessons I've learned and I'm trying to treat, I'm, I'm still going back to those wells in some respect, working with some people, and stuff that I've had trouble with, but I think it's important to, uh, you know, I've, I think there's a few people that I still have, I still have to accomplish something with certain people, you know, it's like, so I'm going to get it done. Like, like with Steve Alton, I've been collaborating with Steve Alton. I've, we've written a book together. We've written several scripts together. And, and, uh, I still think that there's something that we haven't done that's important. And we're constantly on the phone trying to work on that. That has to happen, and and somebody like Troy Nixie who directed Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, there's still something that's going to happen. There's still something that's going to happen with Guillermo. There's still something that's going to happen with Lloyd. So like that's the thing that keeps me going is is finding those collaborators. I think I still think that eventually, Zoe Saldana is going to want my sex. She want she's going to want it at some point. Easily, and the the hairier I get, the more appealing I'm going to get to her. I'd monitor that Twitter feed, and as soon as she throws it out there perfect time to jump on it oh yeah absolutely i mean she'll she'll come calling yeah guaranteed i estelle getty god god bless her i want to fuck her in the in the everything oh yeah I in wanna, the geriatrics i want to dig her up and fuck her so if there was a golden project that you could get made tomorrow and it would be ready for eyes and ears and everyone what is that one thing that you want to get out there today? What What's the one project right now that you want everyone uh, to be exposed to? There's this, there's something I've been working on for about 10 years uh, called Runoff that if I had if everything were aligned, it would be that. And I didn't write it. I just discovered it, and I brought a lot of people together, and we, we had a deal to make it as a film at one point. We had a deal to make it as a TV show at one point. I still think it's the best. That's the that and Simple Machines, one of Troy Nixie's projects, are the two best projects I've ever been involved with. Um, those are the ones. If it was anything that I've generated, there's a few. I, I honestly think that everything that I've come up with isn't ready for prime time yet necessarily, but it's close. There's some stuff that's close. Um, you know, I think Eleven Colonels still has the potential to be something special. I think that there's there's something called. Um, a pain that I wrote that I think is potential, but I don't think there's any one thing, you know, there's some things that I've worked on of other people's stuff that makes all the sense in the world and they're ready now. And, you know, getting no's from every network in town, you hear these stories of, um, 
uh, you hear stories of like shows that you love that were rejected by everybody. You know, like Sopranos was rejected by everybody. Like Breaking Bad, those shows were like, you know, people like all across the board. People said, "Fuck this." And our we just recently, since last October, October of two thousand twelve, we closed the deal with Fox to co for them to for them to to produce it and to co finance it. And we went out to all the networks, and they said no. And the material's insanely great. It's perfect. It's And then Under the Dome kind of conflicted with it. So that thing, to me, is one of those stories. So like, you know, hey, remember when we got rejected by everybody in town? To me, it's already like on the special features of the DVD. It's like, oh, we, we went through the whole town, and everybody said, fuck off. Remember that shit? And then now here we are, and we're great. And they everybody everybody wants to claim you know you know credit for it. So that's the one to me that I think is is as primed as anything, but um, I have actually a few ideas right now that I think are are great, and I and, and it's just a matter of getting the time to do them and and having you know them be good. So I think I'm better now. It's just that that uh, the world has changed because TV, everybody's doing TV, and 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 and, uh, and film is even harder to do. So we'll see. I've got a I've got a um. A spinoff for uh, with the Ugnots from Star Wars. I'm working on. I've got uh, a a sequel to um, a sequel to. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but the Serpent and the Rainbow. I've got a, a musical sequel to that. Uh, I'm working on. I've got um, <laughs> another Footloose. We've got uh, the further adventures of the the, um, the the clerk from 48 Hours, the guy who was in the hotel. Which I'm looking forward to. That, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many fucking great. We got a, a, an entire film about the, the guy who um, made sure all the, all the cargo was secured on, in the Perfect Storms vessel. Um, we got, there's, uh, there's uh, two trees from the Castaway Island that got no respect in the film that deserved their own film. So there's a lot of shit going on. I'm fucking on top of it. You know, if everything just came together all at once right now, what sort of environment production would you say that you would want to be in in like, let's say, five years or a decade? Where... Where would you want to be in 2020? What's the perfect ideal environment scenario situation? Perfect environment. Honestly, there's, there's two perfect environments. First yeah. one is I would have a, a home somewhere tropical, and I would wake up and, and frolic with fish and go in the sea. We're talking about the island at Day of the Dead, I, right? Honestly, any island. Sure. Is, you know, The other thing would be... Um, like I would be the proprietor of a fast food chain, which basically is a complete perfect replica of Hitler's bunker. You know, uh, I mean, like I see it as clear as day. That's the perfect fucking fast food eatery, you know, built around the Hitler experience, which is the name of the restaurant. But other than that, honestly, I, I need to have something that's been made, that's been seen, that uh, has my name in a capacity that I actually feel like uh it represents my aesthetic for better or worse and and to see if if um I've been full of shit for you know 20 something years that you know I'm I'm in a cool place now though I've got like kids that are great and I've got you know a lot of you know I am happy to play golf you know there's a lot of things my 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 definition of success is much more uh much more pinpoint yeah. you know I don't need as much so honestly I just want to I want to be somewhat healthy 
I want to be somewhat creative and I want to be not worrying about where the next paycheck's coming from. Everything else is kind of irrelevant. And I'd love to I would love to have a private cottage for this giant penis. <laughs> Just the cottage for the penis and then the annex that you can yeah. do your business in while yeah, the I penis mean, is still in the cottage. You can be in the garage and the dick will be in the main house yeah. and things will work out. You know what you know the truth, you know what they say about guys who constantly talk about their big penis though. I, I think it, there's a, a truth to that, something that uh, is relevant to it being a real fact. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if somebody is constantly telling you how big their dick is, they're probably not a big dicked person. Sure. And than, I think it's all about perspective at I that think, point. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you put it in front of Phil Foncadero, it's going to look huge. You put it. <laughs> Warwick his, Davis. His one of his best hobbies was smoking giant cigars just uh, by. Right. What was the midget in Waxworks' name? It was like some some Swedish. Mijos, Manzeros, some, some great name that just seems yeah. perfect God, for the, the lead midget. If in, I were uh, able to really spend some time looking at like really risque photographs of, uh, let's say, black women that sure. are lithe and uh, not too black. But just black enough? Just black enough. Right. It would look great in his hands. <laughs> See, I'll agree with you that the Tom Savini-directed episode of Tales from the Dark Side is probably one of the best and certainly the most influenced in Nightmare Fuel and full of it. I don't remember which one that is. There's this... With the little... Um, with the little oh, Lizzie, the thing in the closet, Lizzie, right? Lizzie, the little uh, closet yeah. monster with the gorgeous little red eyes. And yeah, the, I remember uh, that little fucking cunt. Yeah, kind of like a sleaze best. stack. A little bit, and uh, I don't know if that actually uh, influenced uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark at all. I mean... Mm, I doubt it. No, I not doubt so much, it. maybe. Uh, we're, every idea we had was perfect and fresh. Well, when the, you look back, you know, personally, I mean, what are some of the influences from the past that really affect you? Like, what do you reflect on when you look at either directors or films or actors or special effects artists or anyone who um, kind of brought you to where you are today i don't know see it's about moments like the stuff that really speaks to me is moments from things even from bad things so it's not like a particular like i like you know like like guillermo could trace his lineage through writers and artists and filmmakers and all that and i don't have that because i could find inspiration in the weirdest places yeah like most um, undeserving places guillermo uh really draws on and it's even Purely evident in his new Simpsons uh, Treehouse of Horror um, intro that he's done of, like, let's say, the Universal Monsters. Right. Like, when you look at the Universal Monsters, uh, which one or which of those uh, affects you? I think uh, Creature's one Creature's of number one. Creature's number one. Creature is by far... Uh, I mean, there's nothing that comes close to the Creature from Black Lagoon. What's the connection? What, what gets you I, I, totally into Creature's business? Well, I mean, first of all, anything that's aquatic gives me a massive hard on and with my penis it's even more massive and a massive wet on yeah I'm sure as well. I, I love sea creatures i love i love anything that comes from 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 the water the water i mean like i just it's i guess that's part of it and and his design is so iconic i mean that's like one of the first um like uh like brand name monsters that was a design yeah rather than 
like a vampire or a fucking wolf man or a Frankenstein. Those are all things that are archetypes and all that. The, the gill man or the creature is his own thing. And yeah. it's cheap, too. And there's something I love about, you know, he's like, like if you were to interview Dracula, the wolf man, and, and Frankenstein, they'd say, this guy doesn't belong with us. He's just not as good as us. He's just not as cool as we are. Sure. And, and that's kind of one of the things I like about it. It's like he's... He's uh, he's uh, he's he's uh, he's risen above his station, you know, uh, in some respects. So the yeah, and there's something that like the way that he embraces like you could, he is delightfully B, and and there's an there's an A list element to Dracula. It's considered a classic. Frankenstein is considered a classic. Those are like. Like literally, like top AFI hundred top movie type things, you know. Oh, yeah, and and even Wolfman ranks up there, even though that's kind of subpar to Dracula. Right, and Frankenstein, but because he was played it's... by one of the greats. Like if you're Basil, if you're Claude Rains, or if you're oh yeah, Bella Lugosi, or if you're you know if you're fucking one of those assholes, and you'd throw even the Invisible Man up there and Claude Rains, right? Yeah, and and, uh, and then Frankenstein was of course all what's his fucking hammer, you know. But the creature, you know, is he's 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 fucking, he's indistinguishable underneath the makeup. But, and I and, and I think also, too, you know, there's that very overused cliche about we know more about space than we do about our own oceans and that kind of stuff, and that's true. Yeah. So I still harbor hope that something is going to rise from the depths and fuck us out. Like, fuck fuck the Earth, like, right in the, right in its bearded pussy. Even if it's at the Lovecraftian level or even to the I, simplest I, giant I would, tuna fish. It could be a bacteria. I mean, sure. it could be anything. I just love it. I, I hope that happens. I'm not even kidding. I want us to get ruined soon as a, as a species. And the preferably preferably on the eve of my success. That would be perfect. When um, everybody from the Chud family is toasting to the great successes all of a sudden. Just the paint peels. Yeah, like 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 I'm late. I'm late. I'm late to the big celebration. Like, what happened to that guy? Like, we're here to celebrate him, and they're like, "Oh, the union here. The earth opened up. He was the first swallowed, and now we're fucking being overrun by fucking winged termites, and it's it's fucked and ghoulies. I wish. So no, um, yeah, definitely, definitely him. But it's you know, it's like little things. There's like moments like when I was the kid floating in Salem's lot fucked me up. You know, like the um. The uh, the lady sitting on the fucking cot in Prince of Darkness fucked me up. The the video image of that the the shadowy figure. There's just little things. So so it doesn't have to be the individuals, and it doesn't have to be all about the you know films themselves. It's about those little moments. Yeah, and that and, just and, work and honestly, yeah, like and uh, yeah, and I and I think one of one of my I think one of my strengths is moments. I'm an idea guy. All the people that I work with. Nobody really um, comes to me when it comes to structure. They're not like, we, Nick's the guy who's really going to give us a great, tidy package. They're like, this guy's. we're going to give him a, something, and he's going to have a great moment, a great idea that's going to really sell it. And that's, you know, could, it's, all, it's all about those little things. So, like, I have, like, there are, there are visual things and, and ideas that I think are extremely scary or funny or crazy, but, you know, if you view them on their own, they're not that great, but when you put them into something, and that's and that's kind of how my influences go, too. Like, I'll take a little bit from, you know, one of the masters, but I'll be happy to take something from one of the shitheads, too. So there's no one thing. Like, I would be a very bad study when it comes to, like a like a like a retrospective, because, like, where Guillermo could completely, like, William Hope Hobson, Hodgson and 
Lovecraft and this and that, I'll say, like, I love the fucking tentacle rape here, but I also like the way that this creature's eyes did this, and, and oh, my God, did you see the way her her vagina was this direction? You know, it's just, it's just like, a little weird thing. So, you know, and I think that's that's kind of cool because in today's day and age, everything is piecemeal, everything is scattershot, and, and you can't trace lineage as well as you could. I mean, like, there are apps coming out that are visionary, and 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 for 99 cents, you know, and they're getting, you know, heralded but you could you see elements that are so obviously from you know all sorts of places and so i think that fits the 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 modern short attention span culture yeah and it seems like a lot of people are drawing on their influences and they're either just trying to replicate the things that they love or they're trying to be creative and just sort of go with what has inspired them but what are you seeing right now some special moment or some little instant that really affects you and makes you sort of look forward. Is there anything in recent years that's shown up in films? I mean, a second ago you mentioned The Master. Anything from Anderson or anyone who really just hit you in the right spot that just makes you think, okay, well, this is a special moment that I like right now, even if it's not something from, like, John Carpenter's The Thing or you know, uh, films from the past? Uh, I, I, I don't pay attention that well. Like, it's, it's like there, I'm sure that there is plenty of things, but it's more, it's more vague. It's more oblique. It's like, I want to replicate a feeling. So like, I'll know that this product gives me that feeling. So if like, like, so I'll go to that security blanket, like, like like the Big Lebowski is a security blanket for me. Oh yeah. And there's not a there's so many different elements in it that work, but there you know it's just an overall feeling. The Departed for some reason is is a security blanket for me. What's so the reason? Yeah, I mean, so it's just like I, I just kind of like revisit that stuff. I've actually really been hankering to revisit Preacher, the the comic. Yeah. Because that was a very special feeling. It, it, it was elevated. And, 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 you know, so it's, it's more about that, you know, like I'll, there'll be a music, you know, there'll be an album that I'll say, okay, this evokes this and, you know, and it's kind of trying to find that combination, but I can't actually, I'm not really good at pinpointing, um, a very specific thing. It's, there's so much stuff out there and I think it cheapens the whole when you're focusing on like one particular thing. It's like, in, um, you know, and that's why to me it becomes more about, uh, uh, creators than it is about genre I, some of the scariest shit i've seen like legitimately scary stuff has not been in horror movies lately you know it's been like little moments in a in a in a, in a thriller or little moments in a, a drama or whatever so it's you know it, i i don't know if it's as you grow older you know you, you, and you have ex- life experience and all that your views change or if i'm becoming more dull i don't know but either way it's it's just it's just a different set of shit but um I have no doubt that there's no less stuff. If not, there's more stuff now. I think that we could be inspired by and, 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 and energized by than before. And that was definitely contrary to where I was 10 years ago, where I was thinking all the best shit's already happened. Everything now is an imposter. Everybody's ripping other people off. And I don't, I don't feel that way. So, well, I mean, there's that, except for those Jews and all of them. I mean, we, we've, reach that point where Jewish comedy is starting to roll over on itself. Oh, no, I, I, I mispronounced, just... I miss, I mispronounced juice. <laughs> I meant like smuckers, 
Welch is so. I think you know, Minute Maid is uh, still definitely relevant. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, with everything that's going on in the world right now, and just the old adage of you know life imitates art and vice versa and so on, and the development of you know just individual style and the way that films are being made today, technology, cinematography, just everything that goes into an actual production. What do you think? Um, in the future is the potential of those special little moments that really connect and really resonate. Like, let's say, for example, someone's face being completely torn open by a random shard of what have you, or, you know, something that just connects you right in the sweet spot where you either feel an emotional connection or just enjoy it regardless. What, what do you think is the future of that and do you think audiences are just becoming more and more desensitized to where nobody's going to feel anything and just be along for the ride well cameras are everywhere so like you can go into like deadspin or wherever and see like the most horrible things happening like a guy like if a guy gets his fucking like is a compound fracture in soccer or whatever it's instantly available you know and there's nothing that you know there's nothing that we can come up with that's more freakish or grotesque that happens in real life so i think you know when when a new species is discovered we're not going to we're not reading a book about it we're going to find the youtube video that uh, you know it's up there so i think i think that's like that's our initial initial visceral thing and and we have access to everything immediately just about so you know like the next big assassination isn't going to be we're not going to have a zapruder film to work from we're going to have 18 angles of the fucking face flying off and all that kind of shit so i i just think you know like the initial stuff I, we're going to we're going to have too many tools i think you know it, it's going to be a matter of um whichever whatever image sticks with you whichever like you know moment sticks with you i I've, I've been doing a lot i don't know i i got a macabre string and, and for some stupid reason, I'll constantly revisit like 9-11 or I'll constantly revisit a, a serial killer's work or whatever. I don't know if it's to make me feel better about my life or if it's just because that kind of stuff, you know, it, 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 it it's someone else. It's somewhere else. So, so, so you're able to experience it in safety. But, you know, it's we, so and that's just that's the negative side. But I think also the positive side, too, is great efforts like great moments you know like when 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 we're not advanced like our advances aren't as sexy as they were like you know going cross atlantic or or breaking the sound barrier and all that kind of stuff that's there's not stuff like that it's it, we're doing much more interesting and 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 mind-blowing things but it's done in different levels so it's not like you know like atoms and you know like just, just it's not the same sure but um i think you know the big advances and all that we're going to see that happen like it's hard because we're seeing stuff done in commercials and in music videos that destroy what's being done in in cinema in a lot of respects. Like a, a lot of those guys are stealing techniques that are being done by, you know, music videos or whatever. Whereas in the past they were kind of using the tools of, of filmmakers and all that. So I think it's just a matter of now we're, 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 we're getting so cynical and so, so used and so savvy to, techniques and and effects and 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 immersion so it's just a matter of people find the right combination and gravity is a good example of that gravity is an example of the technology and the familiar merging with uh the ability to tell an actual story in that with those tools and and that's you know as long as there's people that are constantly pushing that further it doesn't you know doesn't matter 
Yeah, and I, I agree. That's definitely an example of a film where everything just comes together in the right way for that. But, you know, just talking about how right now you're looking at music videos and other outlets like commercials and what have you where you know some elements are advanced beyond what we're seeing in cinema uh looking back at guys like david fincher and someone who you're directly familiar with joe con um what do you think about i've slept guys who i've slept within past? inches of that man sure what do you think about guys who are able to cross that uh barrier and move forward into actually making feature film that you know really resonates and connects with people yeah well david lynch especially yeah, I mean, those guys are. David Lynch is operating on a different level. Di, you know, he's just still like diving in and doing. You know, and Joseph Kahn, um, selfishly, I really hope he breaks soon. But you know, uh, because we have a couple of things together that are fantastic. But like talking to him, he he's he's one of those guys, and I can't believe he's the only one. Although he has very strong opinions about his peers. Um, he's operating on a much different level than than, uh, than everybody else also. He has a very intrinsic scientific and mathematical approach to film balanced with nerdism to the eighth, like the, his, his knowledge of Spielberg's works like to the finest moments and comic books and all that, all of that information. Like we're seeing the people that have been raised on all these tools and he's my age. So like he's not, he's, he's a dinosaur like, like chronologically, but Guys that are actually paying attention, that are that are absorbing all of this stuff with the ability to actually shoot and, and create, it's it's ridiculous. You know, watching movies and, and and his movie detention to me is something that we're we're not ready for necessarily as a viewing audience. And I think there's a I've seen a few movies lately where I'm like, okay, this is something that is almost too fast for my 40 year old brain. You know, but I get it, and I love what it's happening, and I could just imagine that the people that are watching this that are being inspired by it are going to really just rock it. So, you know, things are moving so fast that uh, it's exciting, but it's 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 hard not to be a little bit grumpy about because you're forced to constantly be on the ball. It goes with a lot of things too. Like you can't talk video games, or you can't talk even music in some respects with people who are still a few steps behind because it's. It's just, it's lightning fast. We're just, you know, and, and you know, uh, you can either, you can choose to ignore it and just stick with what you know, or you have to be like a student. Uh, you know, you have to spend the hours like learning and, and, and digesting all this shit. Otherwise, you're just, you know, you're, you're obsolete. And well, just from, you know, what I've seen and what um, we've discussed, you're, um, a treasure hunter in a way where when you were looking for films, whether they were obscure or unique or something that would, you know, show up like you'd mentioned, even in the content of a Fangoria magazine, you were out there searching for that. Do you think that you still even want to keep up with that sort of treasure hunting, trying to be a student of media right now? Or do you want to really more stick with not so much the familiar, but that kind of, whether it be a genre or a director or a personality that you already know and is already established? Are you going out there and doing the legwork to find the next 
greatness? Is that something I've that given you're up on for? comic books? That was something that I used to take a lot of pride in. I've given up on them. I, I haven't. I haven't Just bought a comic flat book. Flat out. No but I'll more tell comic you, books done. Monday is a useless day to me. Okay. But Tuesday, the first thing I do at probably twelve fifty, I believe, is when iTunes updates its newest releases. Yeah. I'm looking at all the genres of music and comedy and all that. I'm looking at the podcasts. I'm looking at all the movies that have been released that day. Every every It's a special time. I don't go to bed on Tuesdays until I've looked. And I'll refresh iTunes until I get it. And I'll look at Amazon's new release page and all that. So I'm still up to date with that. And then on every Thursday is when they update the App Store. And I'm, I'm also a big app hound, so I'm always looking for interesting new things, whether it be games or productivity or whatever else. So I'm, I'm still up to date with all that stuff. At least when it pertains to my limited sphere, I'm not I'm not a I'm not as much a Netflix guy or Hulu or all that. But when it comes to that, so you know, and I've discovered a lot of things lately. I, I I'm like recently I watched Leviathan, which was a documentary about um, the fishing industry, which was done from a like very bizarre, all done with GoPro cameras. It's kind of an interesting thing. I would have never found that otherwise. And, and iTunes has been a great resource for that, and I hope that it only grows, although the, there's still a lot of flaws in that system. Um, so I, I think I'm still a treasure hunter, although, um, I mean, I mentioned earlier, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, that's hardly a treasure at this point. That's a commodity that's been out there a while, but, you know, there's always those exceptions. But I can't imagine all of a sudden I'm going to want to watch The Big Bang Theory. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's... A lot of people have recommended the league, and I've been resistant because of the football aspect of it. But there's always going to be more media than any of us can handle. So, you know, I'm doing the best I can with my resources. And um, I'm hoping, you know, there. it's funny. There's a guy named Joe Bagos, Bagos who is a, a Chud reader for a long time, who whose feature just got picked up by the um, After Dark Festival. And and I think that's kind of cool. And I – and um, that's kind of another interesting life that things are taking is like, you know, the treasure may be coming right from under our noses. It's kind of neat. So do you think that, um, everything going more towards digital media and being downloadable and not necessarily physical is something that can negatively impact the art itself? Or do you think that it's just the next wave of us as the audience being able to access films television and everything else i would actually go to say that it's it's helping art because when i have um honestly if i had my druthers i would watch unless it's like a a group experience kind of thing if i had my druthers i would love to have everything delivered right to my ipad if i'd rather i'd rather watch it on my ipad than go to a screening like if i had the ability to put my good headphones on and go in a dark room and and hold the screen or have the screen inches away from my face there's nothing that's more immersive to me and nothing more there's nothing cheap about it there's nothing less inspiring or effective about it i mean yes you're not getting you're not sitting in a theater seat you're not hearing the popcorn you're not hearing the projector i'm fine with it i I think it's helping And, and honestly i'm a big i'm a big um proponent of digital copies of movies i hate ultraviolet and I love having a hard digital copy. Like I, I specifically buy DV or Blu-rays that have a digital, an actual digital copy, because to me, um, that's the ultimate way to watch it, and and it's the only way to get screen grabs in my experience with uh, Blu-ray. Um, 
I love it. I think it's great. I don't think it cheapens it. I think it actually creates more opportunities because to you have to physically make the effort to be in a theater. But you can have your whatever your device of choice is with you wherever you are, anytime, anywhere. You know, I watched Pacific Rim in a in a coffee shop at Creighton Beach earlier this week. I've watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia in the privacy of my bed after everybody's gone to sleep while I've been here this week. It's it's an amazing tool. And I haven't had to move a damn fucking muscle. I'm able to fucking... I can have my big-ass dick hanging out while I'm watching these movies here. It's amazing. And you can just slap it right across the I iPad can. screen. I've gotten so tired of touching Jaeger it. Kaiju I know it so well. I know every every foot of it. It's, it's nothing. I recommend that be the experience when you see the next Brian De Palma movie. But, again, that's all about opinion and what I would do. In your shoes. Speaking if I of had directors who cock. lost their shit ages ago, <laughs> I, I think everything isn't Lindsay was Lohan fine. in his wait? Who's his latest movie? I think did it's he do, did he do the Canyon? Prometheus. Did he do girl the Canyon? With the dragon tattoo. Did he do the Canyon? The Canyons. I think he might have done the Canyons, but then again, I'm really distancing myself from that kind of level of shit. Okay. So really, when it comes down to being a film critic and someone who will analyze film and just make it their own. Like when you watch a film that you really want to dig into, do you prefer that private sort of environment where you can really focus as opposed to that sort of public forum where you've got that theater full of popcorn munching, what have you, noise making fuck alls? Is that sort of your to I don't consider to myself really a film it. critic in the in the in the austere way. Sure, like uh, Ren's a much better film critic than I am. Devin's a much better film critic than I am. Okay. I'm kind of a lot more like every man, but I do think that if you are, if you're, if you go into a movie knowing that your job is to watch the movie and share your take on it with somebody, it shouldn't matter if you're in a crowded theater, an empty theater, watching it on an iPad. Watching it on a bootleg, not a bootleg, but one of those fucking VHSs that they used to send back in the day. Whatever the format is, is you have a job to do, and you have to do the best you can to to take it in and distill it for your audience. And I've never had a problem with that. So it's you know the only time I ever had a problem with that was when I went to the midnight showing of Legion at Hollywood Twenty Four, and yeah. they canceled that showtime. That's the only time. Otherwise, if you're watching, however you're watching it, and you have a responsibility, and that's never been a problem. So the majority of the time, the peripheral experience isn't yeah. even an issue. I will that say though that if you're if you're film. going to see Gravity, and you watch it on a fucking twelve inch screen, you know, with shoddy headphones, you're not going to sell the quality of the experience as you would if you saw it in IMAX 3D. You know that there are certain you know like movies that are completely about the experience. But anybody who's anybody should be able to, to tell. Like, yeah. if you're watching the ice storm, you're like, you're not going to say, "God damn, I wish I saw this in a fucking in in the in the ultimate sound system, the RPX or whatever." <laughs> but if you watch Avatar, you're like, "Okay, I, I have a feeling like I would have probably better off not seeing this on my mini iPad for the first time." So you can say that the IMAX experience, real 3D. What have you would be sort of a benefit to yeah, that I, certain kind of film, I, where I, as opposed to like the Ice Storm or even Ice Pirates wouldn't be. Such actually, I think the perfect way to watch a movie is IMAX with the best sound, 
not yeah. 3D. Like like Oblivion probably gained a point in my review based on how I saw it. Sure. It was not in 3D, but it was in IMAX native, I believe. A lot of it was native. Yeah. Beautiful. Totally sold the experience. Um, doesn't make the last act any better, but it, it, it was great. And I could see how that, you know, that would have been better. But, you know, and but I, I and, and the argument against 3D, I think, is dog shit. There is no reason, you know, there is no argument against 3D in my mind anymore. Well, what do you think about 3D conversions and films that have been sort of transitioned and rendered to um, be in that format that came out let's say 50 70 years ago for example the wizard of oz just recently got completely repurposed to be able to get into that format to be an imax 3d what do you think about films that have come out just decades ago that are being thrown back into theaters right now is that something that is you know, just a, a cop-out sort of uh, cash grab, or does that actually hold any weight? It's probably a cash grab, but the thing is, nobody is ushering you into trains and driving you to the theater and forcing you at gunpoint to watch the movie. Yeah. It's a neat thing, and, and I, I love the fact that, you know, in addition to the fact that, you know, we, we have these movies and we have our attachment to them, to be able to experience them in a wide variety of different ways is awesome. I remember when I was younger, like, being able to watch The Godfather Saga on like a Saturday afternoon on broadcast TV, they would they would play what was called the Godfather Saga, which was part one and two edited together with new footage. It doesn't change the fact that I loved part one and part two separately, but you like you you could watch those on their on in their home video format. You could watch them in their edited format, and then you could watch them in their in their co- collected format. To me, it's just another way of experiencing a movie you already love. You know, The Wizard of Oz is it's it's uh, it's one of those movies. It's like it's been colorized, it's been redone. It's there's been it's been hammered around the I mean it's it, it's not sacred material. It's been passed around like a fucking biker chick, you know? So at this point, you know, as long as nobody's forcing you into a fucking train to watch the movie and then forcing you into an oven, it's fine. Although, that's a neat that's the next experience I want. The Midnight Meat Train IMAX experience. I, I think, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, hell yeah. Fucking bring it. I'm, I'm waiting for the Nightbreed IMAX 3D. Well, I'm you know what the great thing is? That. Speaking of Nightbreed, there's that cabal cut everybody's so hard over. Yes. I'm so thrilled I didn't have to go to any stupid convention or any special thing to watch it. It'll actually come out. Good things come to those who wait. Not that Nightbreed is a good thing. Because Nightbreed is a great thing in my mind, but it's a dog shit thing, <laughs> really. That's that. That's a movie when it came out. It was like 1990. I had the fucking they they printed little booklets out with all the characters because I worked at the movie theater when that came out, and I was fucking so sold. They said it was the Star Wars of horror movies. That's how they pitched it. That's great. That yeah. sells it all. Guess what? It wasn't. It the wasn't even the fucking movies. Space Hunter of horror films. But Shunasasi and Pelequin are still beautiful things. Anyway. Yeah, um, no, that uh, brings up something. What do you think about the uh, instant gratification mentality? Do you think that uh, people who are just clamoring for stuff right now immediately and then just moving on to the next thing the next week are sort of losing the uh, impact of what film might have intended to be? Do you think uh, people just need to be more patient? Um, 
that even kind of reflects on the numbers that you'll see even if you look at like box office mojo where all of these blockbusters are coming out one week after another and all these audiences are just jumping all over the place we live in an a la carte world sure it's how it is as long as you're not illegally downloading this stuff as long as you're you're paying your admission price you could take it in however you want and i think the filmmakers feel the same way you know um you know, when, the, when when so much emphasis is being placed on the first weekend and so much emphasis is being played uh, placed on um, uh, the international, the first international and how territories and how the four corners are, you know, as long as you see it legitimately, I don't think anybody can complain, you know, because there are people there is a, there's going to be a group of people that are like that. And there's going to be a group of people that are, are aren't that are going to be very uh uh, highfalutin about how they watch movies, and as long as there's a balance there, as long as the right people get their reward for their work, and you know all that, it's all good. You know, it's funny because you know I find myself violently angry about stuff that's completely irrelevant and out of my control. You know, like you know, like this is this weekend. I'm on a getaway with a bunch of guys. My friend owns this really nice house in the beach. I'm not, it's free. It's just a it's a it's a chance for a scrub. Like me to come out and hang out with you know people and just fucking have a free week. I'm just gonna say this all sounds very sexy. Oh yeah, we fuck hard. Um, I don't even have to go downstairs; that my dicks just goes down the stairs. But it's a very different, unique, disparate group of guys. And the baseball playoffs is going on right now, and the college football is going on right now. And you know, there's a part of me that because of my my experience everybody should be as enthralled about the baseball as i am and i couldn't be less fucking interested in the football i couldn't be i couldn't give a fuck i, I you know I, I if i would love to watch every stadium explode right you know in in succession um you know <laughs> one i don't care after the other know, until the so, debris of the stadium but the thing is around the earth well, right What's great, and especially if Bane is involved, but what's great is they can have that, and I can have my thing, and we're we're taking it in the right way. It's all good, you know. So as long as you're doing it the right way, it's fine. And and I have to agree with you on that. Every time I hear someone say, "Oh yeah, the DVD rip just came out for the movie that's going to be opening in theaters on Thursday or Friday," you know, I just want to punch them right through the colics. But it is what it is, and I think that sort of mentality is not only robbing the uh, creators from the well-deserved funds that they should be getting from their work, but it's also kind of bringing about a sort of mentality where it's, again, on that instant gratification where it's not something that you have to go out and find and search for, but it's something that the majority of people feel like they just earn automatically. I don't know if you feel the same way, I, but I do. I think it's great. And, and honestly, if the, if like let's say uh, this weekend was the weekend that Pacific Rim came out, I would love if they if they if it came out in theaters and on iTunes they had it for twenty dollars or forty dollars because they may get only a few people to buy into that. But what are they losing? As long as there's a way to protect that, you know, where it doesn't get like stolen, it's great. You know, instant gratification is great. I don't like there. Like uh, Ren, Fantastic Fest last year, Ren went to. He didn't go this year because Chud sucks. But last year he went, and the cool thing was, is like they provided a login because they knew not everybody was gonna be able to see every movie. So there was a login for them to log in and watch the movies. 
and I was able to sit with him and watch some of the stuff that I would not have seen normally. That's great. To me, that's great because yeah, it's 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 the way to pull it off. And 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 I and from what I understand, there wasn't a way to rip those or steal that footage and all that. It's yeah. just a chance for people, the right people, to see the stuff for the right reasons and all that. And that's great. And if they can extrapolate that in a way that's safe, I love it. As long as people see the stuff, you know, it's you know, it's funny because like. I work at a cigar bar a lot of the time in Atlanta when I'm in town, and and the people look to me as a source for information about movies, and I try to cater, and I'm, I'm I've gotten be- very good at this, is I cater my recommendations to the people. Like I know, like I like can't without pandering or yeah. It's like if there's a guy that there's a, there's a, there's a guy that comes in, he wants to talk movies every time. His taste in movies is not my taste in movies. Sure. So I there's no point in me trying to force my beliefs or my stuff on him. So what I do is I try to put it through a prism of okay, this is his wheelhouse. This is what's acceptable to me to recommend. So the like so for, for when something comes out in theaters and it's a limited release. I know I have to wait months and months before this guy's going to be able to see it. He's not going to make the effort to go see it or his family, you know, he's got kids or whatever. So I'd love the idea for the instant gratification. Because if you can imagine, um, one of my litmus test movies I always use with people um, who are like like offbeat stuff, who are like really quirky, like non-mainstream movies, I recommend Batman no, I'm kidding. Um, I'll like I'll recommend something like Deterrence, <laughs> which is like a weird little offbeat movie. It's like yep. this is a fun kind of smart, you know. So so I'll say okay, this is available. If imagine if like every movie that as it comes out in limited release is is available to everybody. Like a film that comes out only in L.A. and New York. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like just something that gets released in uh, another country that we're not going to see in the states for a good while. But if it's available on iTunes, yeah, or it's like fucking here, pull somewhere the trigger. for rental or what have yeah. you. So I mean, I I would love that. I think it's great. I think it. I think what it does is it equalizes things a little bit, and it and it rewards. It still rewards the people who are hunters because the people that, even if you're if if you have access to something, you're not necessarily going to choose it or you're going to find it. So. There's just way too much stuff vying for your attention. So, yeah, I think Instagram gratification is amazing, especially now, because what it's done is is it's like, man, I actually will get opportunities to see stuff and and and, and involve myself in things that I never I normally would have had to wait for. It's like eventually you're just going to run out of time. You're going to forget that I was excited about this potential movie like seven months ago. So, I think it's great. But they do need to make sure that there's a way to police it so that it's not ruined for people because that's the thing that always scares me. Um, like like when Don't Be Afraid came out the week before, like weeks before it came out, it was on torrent websites, and and not that the film you know is you know was a, it it wouldn't have been a massive hit no matter what, but it would have been a little bit more of a hit. You know, it's, it's a scary shit. So, just kind of looking overall, if you could say that you had i don't know your top list build films that you know you would either want to see remade or see go back into theaters or just get a great high definition transfer or you know really anything that hasn't gotten enough love or credit what would you really go for like let's start off with america wealth in paris that that could definitely get a, a good uh, IMAX release, I think, these days. Especially the soundtrack. I 
I think that needs to be in circulation again. Um, Bandits not push in the world with Billy Bob Thornton. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Um, but let's just say uh, to start off, um, what do you think needs a solid remake? Like, what's that um, project that you want to remake? And my number your one of all time is Prince of Darkness. That's my number one. There's, you just want to. I've been trying. I've been make that one your own. Every time I've had an opportunity to work with somebody that's like got access and all that, that's been the one. Because yeah. it's a, I've always felt it's one of those movies that hasn't. It's got so much potential, and it was hampered by budget, hampered by the era. If that was done today, it'd be great. And I used to keep it very secret. I would never, I would never have said it. Okay. Because I was like, somebody's gonna take it. You know, the other one was the black hole, and actually the Disney I, film. Yeah, I, I pitched it to when, when Mark Johnson, who is the guy that produced Breaking Bad, and he produced Don't Be Afraid, produced all the Narnie movies. I had an. You know, I've worked with him, and we have a very good relationship. And 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 when he asked me flat out, "Is there something you're looking for?" That was the one. And and uh, unfortunately, somebody got to it before us. Um, but so I, I, I've in the past, I was always really guarded about what I would release because, like, even on Chud, I was like really quiet about certain things. I was like, "Well, I still I have actually a chance to get at this." There's a lot of when we were making Meg. Um, a few people approached me about what I would like to produce or what would be interesting to me to, to make or to adapt or whatever. And I gave a list of about 40 properties and somehow 30 of them got made. Like not with me, but they got made. Like they got picked up or they got made. And it tells me either I've got a good eye for material or I should shut my fucking mouth because there's something there. Yeah. But so as far as stuff that needs to be remade, I, I, I don't know if anything needs to be remade. Um, there are there are you know, there's so many ideas that weren't executed well in films. I mean, if you even watch some of the, like the classic '80s horror movies, there's a lot of ideas that weren't executed that well, but there were some seeds there for something great. Waxwork, no. Um, but um, so I don't really have a, like a go-to. My go-to used to be Prince of Darkness. My other go-to used to be The Black Hole, but. There's just there's you know there's so much stuff out there and honestly I don't you know we're seeing a world a world right now where something is remade or rebooted like three years four or five years after the last installment or the last version has been done so it's nothing is really sacred like I think they're remaking Gravity like right now it's it's gonna be so good um, I'm I'm looking forward to Michael Bay's Gravity it's yeah supposed to be one of the most immersive and energetic experiences that um audiences have seen since Gravity yeah so uh, that's I'm what looking I've been, forward to it yeah so that's the thing so I don't have a, a go-to but I think there's plenty of stuff you could remake anything like if you if you were to you know if you gave me a film in a weekend I can give you an idea for a remake of it you know it doesn't matter what could Even be, if it's the Cat from Outer Space or Flight of the Navigator or Watcher in the Woods. Well, Flight of the Navigator actually they re, they're remaking Watcher in the Woods already. Okay. So, but Flight of the Navigator easy. That's easily done. There Especially, you, go. you know. Um, Begotten. Paul Rubens on board. Easily done. That was for you. Um, Chomps done. No, so uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, actually the 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 movie. I uh, honestly like if I had like actual resources i would want to do watership down i would want to do that in a heartbeat because i think first of all the film version is fine but it's not really it's not great and it's 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 cell animation which is immediately like re- retards half of its audience like people just don't want to watch that now 
even on Bakshi level sort yeah, of Yeah, no, I mean people are just you know, it's just it's it's just so it's like watching fucking Ray Harryhausen stuff for people. As great as it is, I can't I can't you know, I can't go to a random eight year old unless it's an eight year old I raised with good fucking class. Yeah. I can't go to a random eight year old and say Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger, it's going to change your life. They're going to watch you go, this is fucking dumb. This is like watching Legos. You know, it's like they have no fucking... That's why those kids should be euthanized, and I should eat them. But, but yeah, so, I mean, like, Watership Down is a perfect example of something that could I would love to remake. Or Banicula, or, you know, just something like that. That kind of shit is still... There's, there's vitality there. Yeah. You know, if you think about a lot of the, like, the... There's so there's just so much shit. Birth of a could, Nation would make for a great remake. Definitely. If you could look into the next five, ten years, if you could sort of influence or have your say in what was getting made in the near future, uh, what would you want to push for? Would you want to go uh, further with great creature features where you know you just have that sort of campy, fun horror element? similar to even the old Roger Corman stuff and the old uh, Full Moon Features sort of stuff. I mean, would you look for something like that to get back into the uh, streamlined audiences? Or what would you really want to see or what would you want to have made if you could, you know, really... Well, it would not... uh, It would be not comic books, not video games, and not you know high like uh high um high concept pitches it would all be all that stuff is sort of pre-established yeah like, well, and i easy, think but what, i think what do you want what i think people in, i i would love first of all i mean i the amount of great scripts that are out there that are fresh are is ridiculous uh, a few years back when i had a little bit of of like juice i had chud people send me ideas and scripts and all that and there were some really bad ones, but there were some really good ones. What I was able to read, there's a lot of good ideas out there that haven't been done or or are interesting spins. But I really think the untapped thing is there uh, is is in um, books because books. I mean, like to me, the fun thing, the 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 one, like more than anything else, books they have a life of their own, and then they have their their film life, and they're two distinctly different things. There are very few books and movies that are able to maintain the same the same integrity, the same tone, the same everything, because there's just, it's just, you're, it's different languages, you know, the amount of subtext, you know, I think no country for all men did a good job of it, but there, you know, that's rare. So I would, there's like dozens and dozens and dozens of books that I have just shitty, my shitty eye for books that haven't been done right. You know, and I think that's, that's a medium that people aren't reading that much. They don't read nearly as much as they used to, and they don't read the same way. So that to me is the, is the, is the obvious choice. The other thing I would do is I would, um, probably do a lot more lesbian stuff. There's a lot of lesbian stuff that's completely untapped. Well, I think it all depends on what sort of tools they're implementing in their activity. If there are, you know, tappable, uh, straps and so on being thrown into the mix but no i i, I absolutely agree that uh lesbian cinema could could go forward my take is if timothy hutton hasn't had you then you're untapped we are nearing the autumn we're pretty much already in it, it is october of 2013 what are your 
picks for the best of 2013 so far? What would you say has really connected with you, whether it's been successful or not? What what works? What are your favorites of the year so far? I think my favorites... I, Sound City, the documentary that Dave Grohl did, is I think still my favorite movie of the year. Like the best, like not not not, the, not my favorite, but the I, that was one that surprised me the most, and it would definitely be high on my top ten. It was it was it was amazing how he was able to take a legendary studio and make it compelling and vital, and then the second half of the story focusing on one particular mixing board and making it that vital and that interesting. You know, and then there's the expected films that everybody has on the list, like Gravity. You know, the 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 new Robert Redford movie is fantastic, where he's trapped in the boat by himself. It's called. Uh, is that Deep Star Six or? I I totally wish it was. It's called All Is Lost, but it totally could be Deep Star Six. I really loved his other movie too, The Company You Keep. Um, another, you know, there's just there, but it's it's all junk. There's a lot of. Hey, well, there's a lot of junk food cinema that I it's it's unfair to lump it in. You know, the best movies typically happen in the in the last chunk of the year, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, did Green Lancer come out this year? I think um, it might have come out on a digital copy that someone just threw their okay. computer so into the toilet. I'm not, I'm so, not quite so, sure. So Green Lantern's off the table. Okay, so no more Green Lantern there, okay. but yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I, I do like that entire segment of the film that's directly related to, uh, I, I believe it's Rubber Johnny, uh, the yeah. Chris Cunningham Apex Twin collaboration. But yeah, um, I think, know, there, I think honestly, a lot of stuff out there. I that, think, I mean, I think Sound City is still number one for me. Although Gravity's great. I mean, there's so many movies that are great. I, I think uh, Edgar Wright did a great job. Guillermo did a great job. But at the end of the year, the stuff that gets me massively engorged is what. You know, Scorsese's movie and Ridley Scott's movie and David O. Russell's movie and all that. So, I mean, those are the ones that really get my sphincter really fucking wet. So, those are the ones that you're really looking forward to towards the end of the year. Yeah, those are the American big... Hustle release coming out towards uh, Christmas time. Yeah, gets a and the counselor, the counselor and Wolf of Wall Street and all that bastard. I think, uh, you know, just like you said with Gravity, a lot of people are putting those high on the list even before they come out just because of the caliber of the Yeah, and the, the Coen Brothers have team. a new movie. I mean, there's just so many great creators that have movies coming out that it's it's just it's it would be foolhardy to, to, to put a bow around movies this, this time of the year. I mean, we all, we all want The Heat to be the best movie of the year, but it's just not going to happen. I'll tell you for for sure, We're the Millers isn't going to be mine. That's that's not happening. We're the Millers is not going to make my list. Nor is your next. Nor is the uh, Purge. That's not. I didn't see up the there. Purge, but I can't imagine it's great. Nor is the Way Way Back, which was way way disappointing. There's just a lot of stuff that you know. But there's been a lot of good movies this year too. I think this has been a good year, but not the best. So let's let's see what happens. I've got a, I've got I've got high hopes. No, no pressure, but I think we really need one of these movies to be amazing. Films aside, what are you thinking about the future of Chud? What are you looking at in the horizon for Chud.com and everything that you're doing online and everything that goes into the family that's been built up around Chud? So we're, we're, we're treading water until something great happens on one front or another. You know, a few years back, 
I thought we were going to have a company come in and take over and help make it easy, and it's been anything but, which is fine. Um, th- there's a lot of things that didn't happen that could have happened that were supposed to happen that were contractually supposed to happen that didn't happen, and that didn't happen. So, But in lieu of that, right now we have to have good people do their thing, and, and hopefully it will keep us going until the next good event happens, whether it be me getting a project going that helps me have a little bit of resources to do it, whether it be um, an unforeseen event that allows us to grow, you know, but if people are able to enjoy Chud for what it is right now, it'll never get worse than this, lest it end. Like, if it ends, obviously that'll be worse, but otherwise we're able to maintain what we have right now. Um, I don't see anything happening in the near future to, to make Chud grow, but that's fine. There, there are, you know, I, I, there's this, if you view things on a microscopic level, I could see how people would be a little bit negative or worried, but honestly, in the grand scheme of things, we've, we were around before just about everybody. We've outlived a lot of folks and under that same idea, we're like cockroaches, you know, like, so theoretically, uh, when, when fads die and when, and when people get bored to move on, they'll, they'll, you know, we'll, we'll still be here. That's my plan. I want one of the last things I do before I die is to be, to, to click approve on an article for Chud. So, you know, under that idea, which is a, I think a very reasonable and, ho- and, and logical goal you know we should be we should be fine. I think we're we're this is definitely since the since the early days of Chud. This is definitely one of the leanest periods for the site. There have been many opportunities for the site to go away at great relief to me, and it hasn't happened. So why would it happen now? Well, just kind of looking ahead and going back to everything that we've talked about. What would you say, in short, would be your philosophy? Just sort of looking at everything, and whether it's sort of an existential perspective or anything like that what what would the words that you would just pretty much give everybody whether they're a part of the chud family or you know people who look at you as someone who is a creative force who is going to be making art cinema literature music what have you what would you tell or say to anyone who just wanted to ask, you know, what what's your opinion? What's your philosophy? What words of wisdom do you have that you can throw out there? Assume you don't know anything. Assume you're wrong about everything. Don't be afraid to ask. Remember that you're lucky as shit, and this is a this is a ride midway through. I, we're we're very fucking lucky and some of us have even more luck like with giant penises and stuff like that but there are people in our shoes like dozens of years ago that were watching like they were fucking having to figure out which kid they're going to feed and which kid's going to have to get frozen and put and left in the trail behind them this is the 70s I'm talking about yeah those were hard times that's very tough so you know this, Woodstock, we are a world fat trauma gravy train motherfucking bunch and it's great we're so fucking spoiled and 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 even though something like we're weeks away from the apocalypse easily easily but it's fucking it's awesome like right now 
Like, I could watch every episode of Breaking Bad on my fucking computer right now. I could also watch every episode of Honey Boo Boo. That pretty much sums up the world right now. When is White Lion going to get back together? They need to. They need to get back together quick. Great White ain't getting back together. Because it's burning. Speaking of which, the burning... There have been a lot of films that have been getting recent release on Scream Factory. That's one of those special groups that seems to kind of be the Criterion Collection of classic B-horror. It just really depends. Uh, I mean, even you mentioned, you know, a couple of films, like especially uh, Prince of Darkness. And From Beyond. Yeah, what do you think about those guys doing that? Is it like the next wave of bringing great horror to people like what Anchor Bay used to be? I love what they're doing. They're like Criterion, except where Criterion has the best cover art. Screen Factory has the worst cover art. I think they have their ups and downs, but what's your opinion on... They have their downs. Like, they have downs. The downs. Like, they're they're on the spectrum. They work at Kroger. Like, they're very employable by grocery stores. What do you think about that fantastic Day of the Dead art that they threw onto that Blu-ray They're all that bad. just got I, released? I, I, I haven't seen that. I mean, I've seen the Day of the Dead, but I haven't held it. But it's dog, it's dog V. I'm not a fan. I'm just happy they didn't do that with the film. If they had rotoscoped the entire movie with that same artist, it would have just been an yeah. experience. Actually, that Prison I would Darkness not want is one of the better cover art jobs, but it's I still, like it. it's still, it's still puke. Too many wonky faces. Well, the, the thing is, they're remake. They're doing remakes of the artwork of films that were made during an era where artwork was actually cool. It's not like you're remaking stuff from the '90s or the early 2000s where it's all like you know Photoshop stuff. Sure. It's it's art. It's actual like you know iconic art. Leave it alone. And I know that they have it on the flip side of their discs. Like you can take this the liner the sleeve out and reverse it. All you have to do is just flip it and put it back into but, the. Let's show some respect. Have good. your shitty artwork on the inside. Start that way. Save me the massive muscle work of taking it out. Or take a note. I cannot believe people don't realize simplicity rules. Simplicity always rules. Like you look at like Saul Bass, his his credits. You look at the covers of all of the Criterion stuff. It's all simplicity. Trying to remember the uh, Sinatra film, The Man with the Golden Arm, I yeah, think. Yeah, all is, that shit. Just and fucking the Joan of Arc. Simple artwork. S- sell the message. Don't fucking get some guy to do fucking second-rate Greg Capullo art. It's dog piss. It's so. Uh, why am I the brilliant one? Why am I the only one who's amazingly fucking brilliant? So you're not looking forward to the Delamorte Delamore cartoon-style Blu-ray art I, that's going to be I don't be care. I don't care. It's fucking stupid. Well, if there was one that you could release in your own way, whether you do the Criterion or the Scream Factory or the Synapse Film style of Blu-ray release, what what film in in your favorites would you just throw out there for everyone to enjoy that to do has like not a, gotten like a fancy of? version of? Absolutely. What would you fancy away? What would you throw right up there? Like the, the 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 knee jerk response is the Manitou, but the real nice. response is Extro. 
I am. Um, I, I first of all, I'm a, I'm a sucker for when people give birth to full grown people. Huge sucker for that. Always good. And I'm also a sucker for a lot of things with cunts. Like there's a lot of cunt. That movie is cunt driven. It, it is cuntastic. It's, it is. is. It's very filled with cunt action. Yeah. It's it's very vaginal. Um, it's very um, slippery. Alien times. It's uh, it's just. Backwards dogging. It's it's everything about that movie is is fucked. The you know that would be one that I would love to do. I'd love to give extra the respect it deserves because like we got Life Force in that mix because Toby Hooper was involved. Life Force is a fucking albatross of a movie. Extra's actually got some interesting ideas. Sure, Extra would be a great remake. By the way, yeah, I'd love to see fucking. Um, I I'd love to see a scene where. Selena Gomez gives birth to, to fucking Kyle, Sh- Kyle, Sh- Kyle Chandler. Great. Like, she squirts an entire Kyle Chandler out of her vagina. She's like, God damn, you have fucking worry lines in your eyes, and you came out of my pussy just now. So that's, anyway, so there's, the, there's your answer, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what do you think about the future of creature features and that kind of film? I mean... Do you think that's going to ever come about again? Do you think there's going to be a wave of extra films, more uh, films like Society, the not, kind no. of great not in theaters. influence? Not in theaters. I can't imagine discerning audiences today going to the theater to watch The Shunting. I wish. <laughs> but their, sure. version, their version of The Shunting is despicable me at this point. So they're going to fucking not... They're not going to go. We'll see how Godzilla does. Pacific Rim wasn't a big enough hit to justify the embracing of delightful creatures with reckless abandon fucking up the screen. Um, Godzilla will be the big litmus test. The trailer gives me a massive spirit rod. Yeah, what's your uh, take on Godzilla? You you have a history with Godzilla. What? Godzilla, what is the? Uh, well, I mean, we haven't. What's like, the story? I, Godzilla was one of my first loves. As a child of the 70s, I grew up in the period where they, the, the Godzilla films were on TV all the time, and it wasn't done in a, in a sarcastic or cynical way. It was fucking Godzilla. Like, people believed that. Like, it was like, that's a cutting edge. That's, like, really cool. So Godzilla has always been a beloved thing of mine, one of my favorite toys growing up. When he swallowed his tongue, that Godzilla toy, when, he, when I lost his fist and when he swallowed his fl- fire tongue, I was crestfallen. This is before eBay. This was before fucking the BTK killer, for God's sakes. So, <laughs> like, this is, like, ages. So, yeah, Godzilla's, like, huge hard-on for me. And when, when Emmerich and Devlin made wee-wee on him, I was very upset. Th- that I was as excited for the Godzilla movie as I was for the prequels. Like, no joke. That was as important. I skipped work the day Godzilla came out, and then I want to skip the rest of my life after it came out. So, um, and and I'm a big Gareth Evans, even though he's not related to Gareth Edwards. I'm a big Gareth. I'm a big. Both of those guys are great. I'm a big Gareth Edwards fan. He was on the Chud podcast before. I'm a huge fan of his movie Monsters. When he was selected to to, to direct the the movie, I was thrilled beyond belief. And then, even though it's not officially out yet, that new Godzilla trailer is every degree of fuck you great. It's perfect. Now, there's been some word that Godzilla himself is 
sort of well when it comes herself to the roar herself Godzilla. So, so to clarify, we're we're talking Godzilla. about a female Godzilla, even though Godzilla is slinging his dick all over town. Godzilla, Godzilla is did a give birth. Tailed individual. So Godzilla herself is a bit subdued. I, I think uh, there was a criticism out there that the roar was not nearly as effective as it should be. Is that something that? It's absolutely not true. Okay. It's it's magical. I I listened to that trailer with headphones on and her. The Godzilla roar blew my bitches off. It was amazing. Now, who do you want to see show up in this Godzilla film? If there was one Godzilla arch enemy that you could see in this new, um, I guess, incarnation, what, what, who would it be? Would well, it be the, the obvious answer? Would it be? I I know for a fact that they're not trying to do that, which is great because it would be cheesy. There's a cheese factor associated with the Godzilla characters that is unavoidable. Ghidra is Godzilla's Darth Vader. That's his big bad, as they say. Um, I think Destroya is the coolest of his villains in the modern era. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't want any existing monsters. As no, much not as I love for them. Rodan or Mothra no, to show no. up, or no, none of that shit. I, I would love to see Godzilla be a huge hit. And justify the making of movies for each of those characters, but no, I don't. I don't. I think the only way to really establish a foothold is to start fresh. And 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 Godzilla needs to be. Godzilla is such a far-fetched idea as a start that whatever creatures he squares up against, they have to be less cheesy. Like they have to be scarier, weirder, more dangerous, so that Godzilla is something that folks can root for. The last thing we need is fucking <laughs> a fucking giant moth with two little Japanese midgets. Fucking no, that's just nightmare f- fucked. So we're likely not going to see Ultraman show up in this no, and no. fight Godzilla Honestly, in any way. No. Uh, if I had my druthers, there would be no humans in these movies, by the way. It would be all fucking monsters. I think I might have seen one living human standing on the top of... right. But we we know there are humans. Aaron Johnson's in it. Fucking Brian Cranston. There are people in the movie, so we know that we'll have to endure human beings talking, which always ruins a monster movie. But what are you going to do? So, do you think that Brian Cranston is likely going to be crushed by the giant foot of Godzilla in this? Is that something that we're looking forward to? I think Brian Cranston's going to be playing it an asshole. I'm sure he's going to be. Can't wait. I'm sure he's going to be an asshole in the movie. Um,. I don't think he's going to be stepped on. I think he's going to die in an interesting manner. I think he's going to either be absorbed through Godzilla's uh, pee hole, <laughs> technical term, or <laughs> or he will be crushed by debris, or he will fucking get flame flame broiled Fiery by breath, breath or ass yes. hair. Something's going to happen to him. Unless he's playing a good guy. In that case, he'll be kind of like the scientific asshole who has a lot of exposition on his job, and he's very quirky, which he could pull off, like the E.M. Malcolm character, sort of. And and then he doesn't get he doesn't get destroyed by Godzilla's problems. He he lives to speak more. And you mentioned the um, scientific God, asshole sort of character. What what do you think about Gary Oldman in the? New RoboCop. Is that something that you're even going to bother with? What's your take on this RoboCop that's on the way? According to the trailer, which isn't a fair gauge, I think it's fine. I don't like Joel Kinnaman at all. 
just based on the killing. But I love Michael Keaton more than the sun. And I love Gary Oldman. And I love robots. And I love when people die. So I'm sure it's going to be good. Now, do you, do you like the fact that they're actually keeping the arm this time? Because the first time around, they said just get the fuck rid of that arm. Right. Now, they have it ready to rock. I, I know we, we get to see that when he's still in yeah. classic RoboCop silver mode. I'm not sure if that transitions into the um, more modernized, aesthetic, black guy. Uh, you know, militant sort of RoboCop that we we see in the trailers and all over the place. Um, is that something that you know kind of gets you? Is how uh, RoboCop actually becomes what he becomes? Is that uh, something that you're thinking about when you see the trailer and the exploding car bomb and everything else? No, no, not at all. It's not even a factor. No, I don't care. I don't care what kind of meat he's got lurking around. Hope he's got some ass. I'm hoping so too. I, I think mean, it'd be great if it was all you saw of Robocop was his face and his ass. That would be a great Robocop. Uh, I'd be, I'd be especially all for, it. for the scenes where he's riding his uh, motorcycle to, you know, kill everyone in sight. But from what this new trailer shows, it doesn't seem like the uh, drug war of the first couple of films is even a factor. No, it seems like it's a lot more corporate entities, more uh, evil empire sort of. That's stuff. fine. It's their world. Doesn't change the original, and uh, I think a re- a, the be- the best idea for a remake is it goes somewhere new because then you get a completely different thing. Then again, sometimes Total Recall happens, and it's you wish they just stuck to the original. But they seem to have gotten the you know the guy's a, a robot. He's half man, half machine, all cop. So he got they got that right. Damn right. And uh, the scene where he's farting out of his perfectly human ass is, is fantastic. And uh, I don't care if it doesn't have uh, the same subtext that Verhoeven's movie had. It's a different movie. Different time. God damn it. Get over yourselves, people. I wish Emil was in it, though. I wish Emil was nuclear in it. I hope that happens. God damn it. That'd be great. If, Clarence! If that- Clarence! <laughs> then he gets fucking smashed. By six thousand SUX. So great, so great. I'm I'm hoping that somehow Skinny Puppy makes it into the mix for this. Oh uh, well, that's his film. name. That's his nickname for his ass. So it works out perfectly. Perfect. If um, and this is you know just kind of touching on uh, what you had mentioned a second ago with Total Recall. If there was a Paul Verhoeven film that you could remake with your perfect production team. What would you tackle? Which one would you? Soldier of Orange. Fantastic. I would not. Re- you know the 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 answer that most people say is Starship Troopers because it's not like the book. But Starship Troopers is amazing. It's a garbage reason. It's amazing. Yeah, there are people like the Highland book is so different than Starship Troopers. Yeah, it's shittier. And they can fuck off. Yeah, fuck Robert Highland. He probably fucking would have voted for fucking fucking Huckabee or something. Fuck Highland. <laughs> I bet I could kick his ass. Is he dead? Please be dead. I'm thinking he probably is, and Fuck if him. he is, and he should yeah, be. Yeah, he's fucking a non-factor. He's out of the equation. Um, I wouldn't remake any Paul Verhoeven movies because he's fucking great. What has he made? He made Starship Troopers. He made RoboCop. He made Basic Instinct. He made fucking Soldier of Orange. He made 
I'm trying Black to think book. of the. Did he do? He didn't do Sliver. Um, no, I don't think so. But I'm thinking of the um, film with Rudger Hauer and Brian James, and I forget her name right off the top of my head, but it's it's right right there. But regardless, if Rudger Hauer and Brian James, and I believe it's uh, medieval uh, film. Oh yeah, talk about Flesh and Blood. I am. Flesh and blood. I would not remake that either. I wouldn't have made it in the first place. <laughs> yeah, Verhoeven, so Verhoeven's got a good. He's got a good deal. He did a good job. Well, what he, do you think? What What is the? Um, I would say, dream project that you have uh, lined up if you're ever to make that kind of film. Like, what would you uh, riff on if you could do that sort of? RoboCop, Total Recall, crazy, very hyper-violent, intense, but fun sort of thing. I mean, is there is there anything that would even work into what you're wanting to get out there? Yep, or? yep, yep. I have something that's very much on that ilk. And uh, I'm in the process of writing it. It's not on my front burner right now, but it's a fun concept. And it's always been one that... I can't imagine being live action unless it be super expensive. Sure. But I I can't every time I go back and I try to think of retooling it to make it budget conscious, it's dumb. I mean it's dumb already, but like it's boring. So I'm just going to keep working on it until either the technology catches up or I'm a huge success or it does we do it as an animation. But it does involve a lot of those those tropes with other elements that are delightful. The thing is, a lot. Of, I mean, th- there's a large monster element to it too, and everything completely hinges on Godzilla. Everything hinges on Godzilla. If Godzilla is a success, we are seeing the dawn of a new era of monster movies. If Godzilla isn't a success, we're gonna go back into the fucking closet for another twenty years. See, what I've heard about this new Godzilla is that the first ten, fifteen minutes, I think, is pretty much a condensation of the entire Godzilla series and then for the next hour and a half afterwards it's a story directly about Godzuki. I'm not sure if I don't that's believe that. correct. I don't believe it. That that's just something that I've read multiple times in articles throughout the interweb. But regardless Are you sure you're not thinking of Godzilla where it's just God looking through real estate listings? I'm starting to blend my real estate interests with my entertainment interests so actually you you're right on that one um talking but about just, just as it just a nerd alert thing godzuki is in the cartoon mania is 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 his son in the in the in the films it's godzilla's little boy is her her little and this isn't medea the medea that we're all all familiar with right. I, I assume so, Mr. Nunziata, what do you think about the future of Chud.com? What is your outlook for Chud and the Chud family, all of the contributors, the audience, all of the readers? What What do you see in the near future and beyond? I think where we are right now is where we'll have to be for a while. If you can't handle this, it's not going to get better anytime soon. But if you're if you're able to understand 
what we're trying to do, that we have a plan. And if you love the community, then, then you're, you have a safe haven. This is as bad as it's going to get unless I shut it down, which I can't imagine myself doing. Or if somebody violently takes control, which who knows? Maybe you would like to be a, a scat site. I don't know. But so, you know, we're, this is a, one of the down periods in the site's life. But we were around before most everybody. And I'd like to think that we'll be around after most everybody. So, you know, you know, I've always told people that the, one of the last things I want to do before I die is 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 update an article is to do is to click publish on a chud article when i'm old and gray i'm gray already but when i'm older and grayer so that's the goal you know the goal is to is to keep on keeping on right now we don't have the resources the the personnel um or the time to really kill it as we should be and we can't so what we're doing in the meantime is doing the best we can when we can and hopefully people understand so what would your words of wisdom be to everyone who's looking towards you for just philosophy and ideology about, you know, where you've been, what you've experienced, where you are, and what you're looking forward to? What, what would you say um, in a philosophical or existential stent to let people know that you, you just have that perspective of hey we're going to move forward regardless of what's going on right now what what would you say to everyone i would say to embrace being wrong um be be happy to be wrong be happy to be um underestimating underestimated um uh you know be 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 uh reach higher than you deserve to and um uh, and and don't be surprised if if uh if um if you wind up in a better place than you expect because you you just don't you don't know you know nothing most people know nothing and everything they think they know gets redefined by somebody above them anyway so just keep your shit on a swivel enjoy what you have cuz you're lucky as hell there are people um, who are not too far distance from us who would wake up, fucking hunt around and hope they fought something well enough to kill it and to eat its face and then have to do the same thing the next day. All we have to do is figure out, um, you know, which chain restaurant is nearest. That's fucking amazing, you know? It's that easy. It's that easy, you know? And also, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to grow a, a nasty-ass beard. And not just on your face. And don't be afraid of the dark. Ta- Royalty check, bitch. Downstairs. I wish I had one. I got nothing. I got paid nothing for that. That's dog shit. Go see Grizzly Park. That fucking... No, that sucks too. What would you say to all of the people out there who are looking to you uh, for advice and dealing with their giant penises, male or female? I would say if you're looking to me for advice, you've made a tactical error of major proportions. But my secret advice for the penis is to not make a big deal about it and not constantly talk about it. If you have a gigantic rod, girls can tell by their by your by your dick print, so they'll know. Um, but if you don't have a giant rod, don't pretend you have a big one. If you do have a giant rod, it's not like you did anything to deserve it. So just be a good person.
Thank <laughs> you.